and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the host slash guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any of BXR entities and those they represent. What's up, people? Welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on BigExposedRadio.com. I'm your host, Nate. Um, and we have a special show today. We have a, a young man on a singer, songwriter, and we're going to learn a little bit more about him and what he does. Uh, and then on the last half of the show, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some hot topics, some things going on in the world today, shootings, uh, of course, I'm always going to give you a little bit about the school system and how all that stuff uh, is affecting um, said school system. Um, and there's some other hot topics that we have on the roster today. Um, but I wanted to open up by saying, first of all, thank everyone for all the birthday wishes. Um, if you were not aware, my birthday was on Tuesday. Um, and I started it off <laughs> with a little bang. Um, I got a little, uh, little happy uh, for the birthday. Um, but thank you to everyone who came out, um, everybody that's been cash apping me. Um, it still works, so you can still continue to send your cash apps, uh, dollar sign, boot prints. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks for all the gifts. Thanks for everybody who came through. Uh, shout out to my friend Tracy Jiggets. Uh, my cousin Ray for uh, really holding me down. Everybody that came through, George, Crystal, Tamika, um, Sequoia, Crystal, Crystal Bevel, Crystal Gatlin, <laughs> um, and everybody that I will be seeing this weekend. Um, everybody's been doing great things. I got a nice breakfast at work this morning, some nice balloons, and just thank you for all the shout outs. This year meant a little bit more to me. Um, only because of what we've gone through through the pandemic. I spent two birthdays in a row um, in the house. Uh, so this one meant a little bit more. First time I've been able to get out in a couple years, literally, um, to celebrate. So just thank you. Um, as the school year uh, closes out, we'll be transitioning on to some summer projects. Um, we're still working um, hard on the one project um, you thought I was him. So you'll be able to get more information. If you go to the Facebook page or the Instagram page, but you thought I was him with the letter U, thought I was him, all one word, um, you'll get more updates. We're now starting our audition process. There are a number of dates that we have for you to come audition. All you have to do is email us at you thought I was him. And that's what you, the letter U, thought I was him at gmail.com and you'll be able to get more information. Um, just send out a request and let us know that you want to. All the early comers will be able to pick a time slot and everybody else will have to just wait in line if they show up the day of. Um, but I'm really excited about that. I have a couple more projects that I'll be on, um, revealing um, in the next couple of weeks um, as I kind of transition out of teacher mode and switch back to full-time artist mode. Um, 
a number of projects. Our website will be um, up and running very soon. Um, shout out to Sharon Nixon. Um, and then I'm, I was a part of this program that was sponsored by uh, GoDaddy. So they have given me all these techniques on building a great website and CEO, what's it, not CEO, 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 S, SEO, I'm sorry, SEO, um, marketing, branding, all those things. So I'll have a lot more in my arsenal to be able to give to you. Um, also, two events that I went to this weekend. Um, I did a couple interviews at the American Craft Show, um, and that was really a great space down at the convention center. I met a lot of artists, a lot of uh, talented artists, um, and they'll be on the show throughout the summer. Um, so look forward to those interviews. Uh, we still have a number of um, starting back in June. I kind of took a break in May. We'll be doing pop-ups here at my art studio at 1734 Maryland Avenue. And then tomorrow um, we'll be here uh, for a regular pop-up. So come on by. Um, and then uh, the celebration, the Gemini shenanigans will continue on. And I'll be doing a number of things throughout the weekend. So look out for some uh, information uh, on my pages, uh, my personal page, Instagram, Twitter, all the pages, and uh, you'll be able to see where we are and come on out and join us. Shout out to the empanada lady who hosted the happy hour uh, for my birthday this Tuesday. Uh, delicious food, if you have not eaten there, um, is right at Motor House at North Avenue and Howard Street. Delicious food, I believe she's open Wednesday or Tuesday through Sunday, actually. Um, and once a month, she does a big happy hour. They had steamed crabs and lobster tails along with her regular menu. And she just launched her crab empanada, uh, I believe, for the spring and summer. Uh, so definitely get down there to her 120 West North Avenue. And we may go best past there again. I have a couple of friends who could not make it Tuesday who wanted to uh, join me there for happy hour. And they have happy hour every day. Uh, but she has one big happy hour once a month. So look forward to that. We may be there next month, uh, bending the jewelry as well as uh, doing some live interviews. So look out for that. But without further ado, I want to introduce our guest for the day. Mr. I'm going to let him introduce himself. So once Hi, he how are you doing today? Hey, hey, um, how's it going? It's going great. My name is Marcelin. Yes. I didn't um, know where you wanted to go, so I was like, let yeah. me just introduce. A lot of people will say Marcelin, but it's Marcelin with it, like an accent on the E. Yeah. Okay. Where, where'd you get the name from? It's, my middle name is Marcellus, and okay. my former artist name used to be LJ Taylor, and I didn't really think it was original or like unique. I mean, it was original, but it wasn't really unique, so I made the decision to change my name to Marcelin to kind of give it more like star power, I, I could say. Mm -hmm like to give it more like like a household name or like to like to be a brand so i took okay. my middle name and i cut the end off and put a put an ending on it and, and uh, switch it up a little bit i haven't yeah. seen you in a long time i i remember meeting him when he was much younger um and i recall him being i think he went to an art school right i went to cardinal sheehan school in baltimore okay. for elementary and middle school but i was in the choir oh well miss kenyatta Yes, 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 that was my That's teacher. Amazing, Kenyatta. So my teacher and my boss. Mm -hmm. I love Kenyatta. She's a very powerful, her and her mom were very yes. great singers. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that's where, is that where the music starts? So without further ado, uh, this gentleman is a great singer. I've, I've heard some of your music and you have a really nice voice. It, Thank it you so much. To me because I'd never heard you talk before. So <laughs> I didn't know that you were a singer. I knew you were into mm-hmm. the arts, but mm-hmm. to actually see you perform or watch, listen to you perform rather, mm-hmm. um, it was nice, really Thank great. Thank you so I, much. I, I appreciate I it. Much love and respect mm-hmm. in everything that you do because you know, we have to support each other. Right. But you are talented, so you're worthy of it. So where did this musical side of you come from? Or when did it start, rather? Well, I started singing when I was about four. Okay. And um, my mother's side of my family is musical. My grandfather's a preacher, and he can sing. And his brothers, all of the whole... All of the siblings, like my grandfather's siblings, including my grandfather, knows how to play piano. They're talented church musicians, pianists, organists. So the aspect of music has always been in my family for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I chose the route of singing. Oh, I didn't really choose it. I would like to say it chose me. Um, because, I mean, I used to sing with my mom when I was maybe like two or three I, that I can remember. But I really started taking it seriously when my mother put me in the choir when I was four. I was four, four or five, mm-hmm. one of them. I was I was about four or five, and from then I would I would sing in the choir. I would have solos. I would have a lot of solos. Um, I would perform in full in musical productions because I was a part of the drama club and Cardinal Machine as well, and okay. like pr- productions like uh, like Grease or like High School Musical or Shrek. That was one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> So I did that all the way up until I graduated eighth grade. And then I went to Baltimore School for the Arts, um, majored in vocal vocal performance, which is straight classical, straight opera. So that really built my voice in a very, very, very intense way. And um, wow. I would perform you know, a lot of opera. And that they, a lot of musicians like to call opera the basics and the foundation of like, you know, your voice. So that really did help me, you know, build my voice in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. um, and I graduated, and now I make my own music. How long has it been since you left uh, BSA? It's twenty a year. A year? Ooh. Yeah, I graduated last June. So my friend uh, Roslyn is. Roslyn I love Ros. You all's new principal or mm-hmm. executive director. How how was it like having this breath of fresh air, this black woman, this black energy? Well, I graduated before she became the principal, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So it would have been beautiful <laughs> if she was. I love Roz. Roz one of my favorite people I've met at BSA. Mm-hmm. But I graduated when the the I graduated in June. She came in in September. Okay, but well, she before, was already there. But she became yeah, she was the already principal. there. Um, she was mm-hmm. the theater department head and a lovely lady. Uh, she's an angel sent from above. She is. She's a great person. <laughs> Ray, I, I I always ask once I know students who have been there. Uh, mm. Not so much. I know Roz is great, but how do you all like that new energy? Um, because you all have had a Black student union for a number of years, but now you all are getting much more play on right. your Instagram page and your alumni is really being able to speak out. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of things that have gone wrong there are actually now, you know. In the light. Happening. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I, I learned from Roz that it was a black woman who actually started that school. 
So understanding the history of it and now it being full circle with her being at the helm of it. Um, yes. I know you all are going to thrive. And especially as alumni, you all will have a bigger voice and a say in, in terms of what goes on there. So I'm, right. I'm hopeful uh, that you yes. all will be able to really see that legacy going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of music, uh, you said you did theater as well? Yes, I act, I've acted for... Let's see, 2005. I'm sorry for the noises outside. My window's yeah. open. It's really, it's really hot outside. Um, <laughs> um, from 2000, 2008 to 2017, so almost 10 years, or 2007, 2017, almost around 10 years I've been acting in, in middle school every, every single year. Mm, and I know, I didn't know that they, well, I knew that they had the, the big musicals, or they did musicals, mm-hmm at Cardinal Shan, but I didn't know that they had that much of a theater program. I only yeah. would know of their musical side, like the choirs and the concerts mm-hmm. that they would do. Um, uh, did you always want to be a singer or was it just something that you did and then you stumbled into the, the business? I really, I've always wanted to be a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, it's the thing I can do the best and it's the thing I've always been able to do the best of mm-hmm. everything I can do. And I mean, in high school, I did have moments where I'd be like, maybe I want to be this, maybe I want to be that. I want to be an actor for a good year, maybe mm-hmm. a comedian or something. I've always wanted to be in the entertainment realm. <laughs> Period. I just that was that was I wanted to be in on stage doing something. Mm-hmm. So, but then I, as I left BSA, I left BSA junior year because of COVID. So I took all my classes online. And okay. I was like, sheesh, I really do miss singing. Even though I still sing, I still have my lessons. I still had all my classes. So I really do think that it was like a, like a full circle moment. Like I went from being a singer up until like maybe junior year away, wanting to be like, do that with my life. And then I was like, let's try to explore some other things, but I always come back to doing what I do the best. I like how you you took on that that opera uh, aspect just to diversify the, what you what you already mm-hmm. know um, and to ground you in some technique because opera right. really teaches you how to keep your voice and yes. how to maintain it um, and most people don't understand that like there's a technique mm-hmm. in knowing how to sing you could have a nice voice but if you don't know how to sing it may not last as last long. as long exactly. Um, and, and we see a lot of singers who lose it at some point. And, and there are other non-natural things that help you lose it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can damage your voice right. uh, tremendously. Uh, what yes. did you learn about your voice at your, your time at BSA? I learned how to support properly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up singing in, in church, in school. My school mm-hmm. was a Catholic school, so that was... And it wasn't like, you know, we didn't sing Catholic hymns. We were an all-Black school, so we sang old church right. songs. Mm-hmm. And well, so I grew up singing in church. You right. get a little bit of everything. Right, mm-hmm. right. So singing them those songs, you know, like those church songs, we just told, push it from the diaphragm and yell. I'm like, mm-hmm. And I did that for a long time until in BSA, I learned how to pace myself. And mm-hmm. I learned to, to keep my voice in shape. And I learned... I learned singing is mental. Singing is 
mental and physical top two and i would even argue and say that it's more mental than anything Mm -hmm. because if you think you can do it you can do it if you think you can't do it you're not going to be able to do it Mm -hmm. so i do think it's i've learned at at bs that it's more of a mental thing than anything it's definitely physical engaging your your chest cavity your your, uh your Mm -hmm. diaphragm your back muscles your knees all of it to just produce a note and hold it and support it so I feel like those are some of the things I learned to be able to say. How to properly support singing is mental and how to, that singing is, singing, yeah, singing is an art form. Singing is learning. Singing is, singing is learning and applying. Yes. I've never heard it quite said that way, but it, it does, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't look at like gospel music as a technique, but it, it's still a technique nevertheless. It is. Uh, but learning all of the bases of music or a lot mm-hmm. of the bases of music right. will give you such a range and such exactly. a strength in your tone and mm-hmm. and all those you know it's people don't understand the technique of it they just think that a Whitney Houston was born that way but that's a lot of training and a lot of you know patience and kind of right. building that up to that um what is the hardest thing about uh voice and technique and just singing in general, what's the hardest thing for you? Or what's your major struggle? My major struggle? That is mm-hmm. a really good question. Um, I would say my major struggle is... Hmm. You really got me with this one. This is a really good question. Um, well, this wasn't an easy interview, sir. This wasn't going to be easy for you. I'm up for the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. Um, <laughs> my major struggle in terms of technique and singing it might be really specific but mm-hmm. switching in between my my chest voice and my head voice i'd say i have a very powerful chest voice and i'd say my head voice is very nice too but mm-hmm. there's a break in like the people what that is some people don't understand singing so your chest voice so with your voice you have different registers you have a vocal fry, which is the lowest register. So you know how people go like, ah, like, mm-hmm. like in your in your in your vocal cords. Your vocal cords are mm-hmm. small. It's like the size of a quarter. So the little you barely let any voice come through it. So it sounds like a vocal fry. Then you move up to your you move up to your your chest and your diaphragm and chesty singing, your loud singing, or your mm-hmm. I mean I guess you could call it normal singing as well. But if you're using your chest voice, that's usually the voice that is most heard when people are singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there you go up to your head. Well, no, you can you go up to your mix where you can kind of mix in between your head voice and your chest voice. Um, and mixing, you can mix belt, which is sustaining a, a very loud note or sustaining a very supported note for mm-hmm. a while. And um, your mix helps you not put so much stress on your vocal cords but still be able to carry the sound out. And then once you move up through your passaggio, which is the break between your chest and your head, then you go to your head, which is your falsetto. You know, a lot of uh, female opera singers use falsettos, like a lot of sopranos will sing a lot of the times in straight head voice the whole, whole, whole time they are singing. Um, so your head voice is the highest part of your voice and it goes down to the mix, down to the chest. And a lot of people don't use their vocal fries. Some people do. Um, there's a video of uh, what's what's her name, Rochelle Farrell, uh, okay, yeah. singing in her vocal fry. She's like, uh, like mm-hmm. on stage. I thought it was beautiful, but yeah, um, <laughs> some people use that. 
But so I'd say the struggle that I'm still, I've gotten way better, but think something I've struggled with, especially in the past, is switching in between my chest and my head and the passaggio, which is called the break. But you, when you go up, sometimes you are uh, like you'll, you'll crack. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting a smooth flow and like fade from your, your, your head all the way down to your chest was a struggle for me in the past, but I feel like that's something I have worked on and I'm still working on. It's always a work in progress. So do you still take lessons or do you have a coach that goes along with you or well, continues to support you? I do. No, not, not right now, but I do um, kind of like, I would say I coach myself. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I still like, and this is another thing that we learned in BSA too. If you don't have anybody, have yourself when it comes to your voice. Mm-hmm. So I always do my warm ups, my lip trills, my all, all that. I, I go from <laughs> my, my, my top all the way down to my bottom. And that helps with, you know, breaking, not breaking, but kind of breaking the break, like smoothening mm-hmm. the, the transition that I was talking about. So I, I do all my exercises that my teacher taught me when I, my, or my lesson teacher, my vocal coach taught me when I was in high school or mm-hmm. what Miss Hardison taught me when I was in elementary and middle school. So I take those tools with me and I apply them. And then I uh, apply them to my music. Mm. Who mm-hmm. are you listening to? Who am I listening to? My favorite artist of all time is Beyonce. My Beyonce. biggest inspiration is Beyonce by far. I love Beyonce with all of my heart and everything she does. She is perfect. <laughs> um, I love Beyonce. Um, in terms of who I listen to, like day to day, Beyonce is definitely number one. Um, I listen to Ariana Grande. Uh, I listen to Brent Fayez. He's nice. Um, mm. Ari Lennox. Okay. Chloe, Chloe Bailey, Chloe from Chloe and Haley. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love everything about it. Um, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I really listen to, I listen to a lot of people. I listen to a lot of kinds of music, especially to get some inspiration to put in my music. But those are, those are the people like uh, pop R&B kind of sound that is like dominating today. That, uh, that's, that's the sound that the people in that sound that I, that's what I like to listen to. Where are you with studying the music? Because we can have our favorites, but mm-hmm. often studying music uh, is what gives us our biggest range or our biggest, mm-hmm. biggest education when it comes to actually studying our craft. Uh, so who are those artists that you're studying in terms of listening to them and not listening for entertainment rather, but just listening for their technique and their mm-hmm. their spacing and their, you know, breathing uh, who are, who are those artists that you listen to? Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, everything. I don't know. It's, she's just great. Like, I I <laughs> take a lot of things from her, a lot of inspiration from her. Beyonce is definitely my number one. The, in terms of music and um and especially entertainment and performance, I take a lot. I take from Michael, Michael Jackson, mm, greatest okay. performer of all time. I, uh, I like to... I like to, in terms of performing, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a performer and I, I'm a musician and a, as a singer first, but mm-hmm. I'm a performer. Like, you know, I like the choreography, the visuals, all of that. So I definitely Michael Jackson, definitely Prince too. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I pull I like to like pull from sides and like kind of bring them right here and uh mm -hmm. and make something add my own spin on it or and incorporate it into what I do. Um definitely uh the the uh the greats that I take inspiration from. I try to take inspiration from the greats. Uh in terms of I a lot of my greats are are um I mean sorry, a lot of my a lot of my I can't find the word inspirations when it comes to music and performance are a lot of the words like Janet. I love Janet. I love Janet Jackson. Amazing. Her performance skills are out of this world. Um, in terms of my voice, though, in terms of technique, I would take a lot of. I feel like Patti LaBelle is a really I love her voice and I study her voice. And her ability to keep her voice polished and beautiful and clean from when she started until where she is now, she can still sing her face off. And mm -hmm. I I really admire that about her. And I and I take that and I, I try to apply it to where I where I where I stand in my, my vocal journey. I appreciate you going back that far and because mm -hmm. i know a lot of singers that a lot of students that i have when i'm teaching music they don't want to they want to stick with a beyonce or even people like even some of them don't even look at beyonce anymore wow. uh or brandies and such they don't look at they don't want to do the research they just want to build on their natural ability and i mm -hmm. think that limits a lot of artists in a lot of uh yeah individuals because you're not willing to go back and learn the basis of what you're doing mm -hmm. because you're also writing so that's yes. a different that's a that adds another layer of uh work to what you do mm -hmm. uh, because not only do you have to keep your vocals and your body together but you also have to keep your mind sharp because yes. you're always looking at ideas um and mm -hmm. there was i think the song that i used to promote the promotion that i sent um, I was really impressed because I was like, he wrote this. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I wish I would have known that you were more into the arts because I could have introduced you to other things outside of what you probably already was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was um, when I see somebody who's really working at it and not just doing what's easy, because it could have been easy for you to put something together like a lot of the younger singers are doing mm -hmm. today or this go off of that, but uh, I would love to see where you are the next five to 10 years in terms of writing. Uh, when did writing become a part of uh, what you did, what you did? This is a great story. I actually, man, I actually told myself for years on end that I cannot songwrite. And I'm like, I can never be a singer. I can't write my songs. Like, <laughs> it's not gonna work. Until one day, maybe like 2020, 2020, I wrote this song mm -hmm. called Missing in Action. Missing in Action is my first song that I released. And I wrote it for months, perfecting it, shaping it. And I was like, wow, wait, I can actually really do this. Mm. And it's writing is really learned. And I just really, really learned. Like my next song was was Sweet Job. And I spent like maybe two to three months writing that. I spent one night writing it and then another two to three months revising it and shaping it and and, and doing what I needed to do to it. And I just like how each time I get better with my writing. And it's really like it's learned and it's and it's a it's a skill. It's not something that's well, at least with me, it's not something that was innate with me. And I, I learned it 
and I, I'm still learning it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so now I, I mean, I do have, I do, I write my own songs. I do have, uh, write like a, like my best friend, her name was, her name is Angelica, sorry, her name is Angelica. And she uh, just wrote my most recent song I released on April 15th called Square One, we wrote it together. And I do find that having writers helps you a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But writing, writing is definitely uh, essential, and um, it's it's learned. And um, what's the scary part about writing? Thinking if somebody's gonna like it. Mm-hmm. I'm always I'm writing, and I'm like, no, this sounds dumb. I can't do that. Like, just rewind because, like today, I, I'm writing a writing a new song. Um, well, I wrote the chorus for it. I need to write the verses for it, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a drill song. You know, like New York drill. Uh, I'm making it really kind of mainstream like uh but i'm still you know i'm still singing uh i'm still singing to try to bring a new try to bring a new sound and um i do instruments are you are you inclined with instruments i do know how to play some piano chords i know how to read music so chords i'm good with chords i can read like a lead sheet or like if you give me chords like a flat major uh a a minor seven add nine or something like that i can read it and play along with it so you were ahead of the game that's typically the hardest part for people uh mm-hmm. learn to read because most musicians don't know how to read music so they're they're pulling from just raw ability so mm-hmm. you are able to hear it now better yes. than you would if you didn't know how to read music mm-hmm. uh, was it tough for you learning how to read music or did that come natural it was tough because I've never been exposed when I when I went to when I went to uh, Baltimore School of the Arts. I was never exposed to having to read and play at the same time, mm-hmm. sing and play at the same time, and read and call it back out to you. I can call it back out to you if you sing it to me. I've always had a really good ear, but having to really put the pen on the paper and theoretically and technically threw me for a loop. Funny, I I. I really struggled with music theory my first year. And just about after my second, third, and fourth year, I was fine. Um, it came kind of naturally. That intro class, normally people crumble in that one. That normally decides, you know, how strong are you going to be in mm-hmm. this? But some people can't make it, even through the first one. Right, right. music theory, yeah. definitely. That first one was very hard. Um, but I I went to my second, third, fourth year, and it, be, it became easier and easier, especially... I did not know what perfect pitch was until maybe about eighth grade. And then I found out, oh, hey, I have perfect pitch. So that really helps. If I need to, if I need to play, if somebody calls out these notes and I'm like, oh, F, 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 G, A, something, something, like I can call it out. And music, music reading and the music theory, like about it really, really, really helps, especially with harmonies when I got to be like, okay, let's four layers of the, of the root. Four layers of the third, four layers of the fifth, four layers of the seventh, comp them together, and maybe throw a fourth in there. Why not? Does yeah. that help you when you're writing also? Yes. I okay. If I have a harmony where I want to, where I, I have a harmony in my head, I'm like, I do want to record that, but I will forget to record it when I get to the studio. So let's put the notes in here. Like the song I was just writing um, today, I I had a run in my head. But for some reason, my like my voice memos weren't working, so I had to go note to note with my perfect pitch, like F E flat D E flat D C 
like I had to go note from note and lay it out. And then when I get to the studio, I can just okay. read it and then, and then do the Versus thing. trying to remember all of that in your right. head. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you are up much ahead than most of the singers, even older singers I know, because that's, Thank you that's so much. the part that determines not how mm-hmm. necessarily how good you are, but the intensity, because you could mm-hmm. go and just write music for people now. You don't have to sing it. You know, you have different skill sets. I'm always right. looking at how can I, you know, I'm always, I used to always be nervous as a young artist, um, mm-hmm. not getting the job that I wanted. So I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. So not getting the acting job, I learned how to do stage management and costume mm-hmm. and that is not, but learning how to write music, that's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't learn sooner how to read mm-hmm. music because that's a skill set that you can monetize across the board, right? You know, mm-hmm. once you get your Film writing, scoring, you know, all of that, yeah. Right. Would you do you see yourself writing a musical or opera at some point? I definitely would. I'm open to everything music. I I mean, you know, my priorities do lay and do lie in um singing and performing. Mm-hmm. But songwriting, yes, I'll write songs for other people. I will write up I'll film score if I need be. I have a good ear for what goes together. I might not be able to to put it on the computer and I haven't learned how to put it on there yet. But if you tell me like, Hey, out of these, which sounds like I could put something together, which mm-hmm. could also be producing, uh, you know, that people who like, um, I'll give you myself, for example, um, I have a song called emergency and with the production, sorry, the engineer, um, I sat there and went through the song and picked out, what sounds nice with what what snare what drum and i'll be there all day if need be to pick the right snare and the right drum and and bring that in there and then be like okay now double time this like that's producing as well just because you're not you are making the beat you're not putting it on the computer but you're making the beat so i have a production credit on that song because of what um what i did with that that uh production on on that beat but production, okay. I do that. I do anything music, really. Yeah. Are you, so in terms of now that side of it, the business side of being mm-hmm. a music, so I just say credit. That means writing a split sheet when you're, you know, yes. you got somebody writing for you versus you contributing to the writing. How mm-hmm. well versed are you in that aspect of it? Well, I'm pretty sure there's always more I can learn. I do know about credits. I do know. Now that I have uh, a writer or writers with me, I know splits. I am a member. I'm affiliated with BMI Broadcast Music. Okay. Okay. In- so. Institute or Incorporated. I forget. Um, but I mm-hmm. am a, I'm a member of BMI and uh, I do submit my songs to be, to get my uh, royalties from, you know, my songwriting royalties. Uh, I give the producer 50 or however, on the contract that we sign is, um, mm-hmm how much they want or how much we negotiate that's how much it'll be so one of my songs he has 50 i have 50 because i wrote the song or another one of my songs the one of my producers has 50 i have 37.5 and my my uh my friend my best friend has 12.5 because she wrote a part of the song so that's uh, I'm, i'm thoroughly impressed where did you learn all of this 
when I want to do something, I'm going to put my mind to it and I'm going to hours and hours of learning. I've only been making music for a year coming up. Is today the 27th? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today was the day I released my first song. I didn't even, I didn't even click in my head. Yeah. I've been ever since May 27th when I released my first song. I've been of last year. the whole, huh? Well, of Sorry. last year, you mean. Right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Of last year, May 27th, mm-hmm. I've been intensely learning everything about the business that I can. I've been talking to people. I've been building connections all up until May 27. I'm still, I'm still learning. I have so much more to learn. I haven't even learned half of it. But- I, am, I am thoroughly impressed because I, I didn't expect for this to go a different way. You know, uh, just in talking to your, your momager. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> um, no, that's really my momager. <laughs> I, I know she's not going nowhere, but uh, <laughs> figuring out, you know, how normally I'm much harder, but I was like, let me just see what he knows. But mm-hmm. now I could have planned a much harder interview for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that you were still learning the process, but mm-hmm. I am thoroughly impressed because Thank many you so people much. don't know. They get into it. They're signed. They just want to sign something because they see an advance coming or mm-hmm. they don't even, before they even sign anything, they should know what they're getting themselves into. It's right. too many horror stories, but I appreciate you knowing so you're not repeating any of those cycles right, that you huge artists have had to go through um uh in the in the beginnings of what they are you are much further than many people in your age range uh as well as just the time you've had into it um but people think that it's all about preparing your voice or your Mm -hmm. writing skills but if you don't know the business side if you don't know the business i always say nine business is 90 percent music and making is 10 percent. the business Makes mm. you or breaks you, in my opinion. I'm very, I'm very proud of you. Like, thank you so much. Proud of you. Seeing you now, you're a grown man, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're a performer, and you are really connected. I would say some of those people that you've met, a lot of those people, the the Roslings, the Kenyatta's, keep in touch with them, and yes, do it genuinely, you know. And and I'm sure you know this, but just keep in touch with them, understand mm-hmm. what they're doing. You know, right. Roz, you know, I know Roz because she used to be, I used to be in her theater group that she had before she mm-hmm. be, she got to center stage and uh, keep in touch with people like that. You never right. know, you know, how they could benefit you or what you could mm-hmm. do, they, the uh, things that they would have for you to do. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, any advice that I can give you, just keep those connections. Mm-hmm. Know who okay. to keep and know who just there for a moment. Right. People like that, just keep them uh, keep connected to them because right. you never know how that could benefit you in moving forward. Um, uh, in terms of working with people, who who are some of the people you may want to work with locally, or you know, if it's just on your dream board right now, who would you like to beyond Beyonce? That's <laughs> what I was gonna say. Like to um, I would love uh, locally. I love collaborating. I would love to collaborate with some rappers, especially because I feel like the singer rapper collaboration is can produce something really beautiful it gives you like the best of both worlds almost um i feel that i would like to work with i like to work with chloe one day i think our voices will complement each other in my opinion um uh i'd like to i'd like to work with megan megan i love her style of uh her style of music and i love her personality i feel like 
she's a, a, a beautiful person to work with. I, I'd love to work with her one day. Mm. That's yeah. that's a, that's some big names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would also say to you, go dig deeper than that. Dig mm-hmm. a lot deeper than that. Not just what you can reach out and touch or mm-hmm. what you see, just all on the surface. But dig mm-hmm. much deeper than that, um, because right. there are a lot. Of, me listening to your music, I saw, a, I heard a lot of like '90s style, and I know that's a mm-hmm. popular genre right now. But mm-hmm. I, I heard it not just in the sound, but lyrically, some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you were writing about, how you were writing about it, that's stuff that you wouldn't typically listen to. So mm-hmm. for me to hear that in your music, I could tell you already have gone beyond what is mm-hmm. in your generation. Right. Uh, but definitely dig a little bit deeper. Go, go way back, you know, listen to some of the people who you know, your mom would listen to or your grandparents would listen to just for that that reference point. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of your sound and a lot of your music is much older than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does not sound like something that I'm listening to now. Mm-hmm. Maybe bits and pieces of it, but mm-hmm. li- even lyrically, it doesn't sound like something mm-hmm. that's right now. Or, or right. when I say current, like what's going on right now, how they're doing right. it right now. Right. So I get it. You have a good mm-hmm. reference point, but just go back even further and go, you know, out and deep with it. And and you'll right. be surprised at what inspiration comes out. Um thank you so in much. In terms of uh you're very welcome. Uh in terms of uh what you want to do outside of the music field, what are you doing in that space? I always struggle. Personal business, but just no, 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 no. no. Mm-hmm. I always struggle with this because, mm-hmm. and this is something I definitely have to work on, is actually living life. If that makes sense, like it makes sense. sense. I will not do something. So I recently wanted to learn another language, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I learned languages pretty fast. So I'm like, oh, this is something I can pick up over the summer. My mind tells me, no, you have music to write. Why are you sitting here trying to like write? Like, I mean, and learn, learn other languages. Like you have stuff to do. Don't do that. Do this. And mm-hmm. I have grown to learn that I have a life um, and I have, I have things that I can enjoy and I'm still right. learning what I enjoy other than singing and music, maybe watching movies uh, or, or learning about different random things. I don't really know what I enjoy. And that's a journey that I'm still on the route mm-hmm. of, but I definitely do have to, and I am working on knowing what I want and actually enjoying life and actually, actually looking and uh and and when I have a win, taking a a, a step like taking a break and smelling the roses or taking taking time to congratulate yourself because that's something I do not do. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I have a win, it's okay. That's great. Let's keep working and not you know keep working, but take a moment to. Tell yourself you did good. You did something right to get this win. Keep doing it, but give yourself a pat on the shoulder. And everything is balance. Mm-hmm. Everything is balance. And the mindset you have, don't lose that mm-hmm. because you're gonna need that when you hate this career, when you hate <laughs> this passion, mm-hmm. and you're gonna need to draw from that when you when you get tired of it, when it's mm-hmm. too much, when you start missing birthday parties and you're missing funerals and you're missing you know important things because you're contractually obligated to be somewhere else 
Uh, so keep that energy and keep that drive for those moments. Uh, but often, and I think the thing that happens to certain people, especially if you went the educational or the academic route in learning mm -hmm. what you learn, mm -hmm. we often become very methodical and very mm -hmm. robotic in our passion. And that right. can sometimes leave us drained. Um, yes. And on the other side of that, um, what we do is typically fun for other people. So mm -hmm. we figure, well, I'm already having fun. I'm performing at this club or I'm performing at this. And that's typically what people do to relax. Mm -hmm. So we don't typically know what to do to physically relax ourselves. But going to someone else's concert, making time and carving out time, um, right. finding other elements of what you do to just do as a hobby, you know, mm -hmm. like writing a play or going to be in a play. Um, like you said, movies, typically I'm the person that goes into a movie and my friends don't like to go with me the first time I see something because I'm looking at the continuity of the scenes and I'm looking at acting and I'm looking at, oh, this Tyler Perry movie, that wig was not right there. <laughs> you know, yes. so you, you typically don't enjoy what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, but I've had to force myself to just go and just enjoy stuff. Right. You know, put down the phone. You can't live this or, you know, the balance of it all. You got to know mm -hmm. when to do that and when not to do it. Um, just so you can get some enjoyment out of it. And you will feel like I'm working because at some point, probably in the next year, you can be like, man, the hell with that. <laughs> because you love it so much, you're going to figure out another way to pick it up or right. you're going to pick it up eventually, you know, well, you will be just doing it in your head and not even realizing it, mm -hmm. but just that balance of work, life, play life and, mm -hmm. and, and understanding. But your, your play life can just be you learning different elements. If you learn a different songs, what can I, you know, you're just adding stuff to your arsenal, you right. know, now you can write in different languages, you know, but figuring right. that out. Um, and then it gives you a whole nother genre of music to then research. So if the work becomes more work. As you right. research more, as you learn more, but it all goes together. It mm -hmm. all goes together in terms of what you're doing, but just, you know, find that balance. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes you got to just say no. Mm -hmm. There, right. You know, for this week, you know, I, I decided not to come here. You know, mm -hmm. I can't come to my studio space. It was mm -hmm. my birthday. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, spend my, my... That's a funny story. I actually was about to book oh, a man. studio appointment on my birthday. Mm. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. But if it's not financially beneficial, don't do it. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, right. you're learning right now probably what to do for free, what not to do for free. Mm -hmm. Some things are beneficial for you that even if they're free, and some things aren't. You right. know, just that always seek balance. Mm -hmm. And right. it's not not perfection, because that's mm -hmm. that's a construct that is just out of out outside of our need that mm -hmm. should be outside of our need, but just finding that balance. Right. How does this benefit me? You know, will it give me comfort? Will it take me away from my focus? Um, but don't lose the focus because you're going to need that soon. Um, outside of all of that, what are some things that you want to do in addition to writing or concerts or, you know, a tour? Where are those things in your planning? I would love to perform. I hope I am the type of person in my career where I want to get as high as I can, like mm -hmm. as, 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 as 
sky like skyrocket to the top as I can. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a workaholic and I will work until I get it. And I I would love I would love to perform at like a dream of mine has always been to perform at Coachella. I would love to perform at mm -hmm. Coachella. I would love to perform at Coachella. I I sit here, I used to when I was younger, I would sit there and like really make up performances of songs that I would know and then make like 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 a set list. It would be completely random people, just songs that I knew, but make mm -hmm. a set list and then perform them all the way through. And I like how I did that because it's like it's almost like manifesting, you know. And I, I would that's called yeah. preparing at this point. Right. Manifesting and, is what you're doing when you're just dreaming about doing something. Mm -hmm. but you're physically in it. So now you're preparing yourself for it. Right. And just to be able to perform on big stages, the tours would really be a full circle moment. And mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like I do dream too big, but other times I'm like, it's achievable. And I and I will put in the work for it. So mm -hmm. if I put in the work for it, then that's do, what does it often scare you when you feel like you're dreaming that big? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does because oh, I'll sit there like oh sorry. Um I'll I'll sit here like wow, um I I I, I my dreams are too big and I'm I must not be doing something right or my dreams are too big and I can't, I, I need to work harder. My dreams are too big and I'm, I, uh, yeah, basically my dreams are too big and I can't, I can't, I can't do them. But then I realized you're working hard. I, I can. Right. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. I want to keep mm -hmm. you a little bit longer. I don't want to monopolize your time, but, uh, I, I got all the time in the world. Something ready. So get them vocal cords ready. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back here on the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BigSposedRadio.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. He's dead. Oh, Six years after he says, passed away. It states she reportedly had heard rumors, but nothing substantial. But then you put the, the rumors while to death. they were still married. You sentenced the rumors to death while they still were married. She heard rumors, right? I mean, okay. well, probably all her life she's heard rumors. Like you're dating, you're, you know, you're dating your dad, right? <laughs> I look just alike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, girl, somebody told me you dating your father. You know, that's what kind of people. <laughs> You know he gay, right, Percy? <laughs> Please, why are you laughing at him? Don't laugh at him. Please don't. <laughs> okay, let me continue with the story. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on BeExposedRadio.com. I am your host, Nate. So, if, oh, look at me, making every you saw my messy desk. Uh, so, if you are looking for uh, 
some great spaces to be able to promote your work, your music, your art, your business, your products, your services, your upcoming events. Definitely hit us up at info at beexposedradio.com or you can send me a message at the Artist Exchange Radio Show at gmail.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, we have some great rates, some affordable packages for you to be able to promote and market in your um, promote and market your brand. Uh, we also, uh, if you go to our website at www.beexposedradio.com or beexposedmedia.com, you'll be able to see our music list. So individuals like uh, our fine guest today can submit their music to info at beexposedradio.com and we'll, you'll be able to hear it. Uh, you'll be able to go to the website and be able to hear it. If you have any music videos, we also will play a clip on our commercial break. Uh, so definitely hit us up at info at beexposedradio.com. Uh, and without further ado, my guest for today. Uh, how you doing, sir? I am great. How are you today? I am. It's, it's uh, eight more days left. The school <laughs> is out. And um, I'm just slowly transitioning outside of my teacher hat. Uh, right. So I can get my 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 real brain back mm -hmm. in focus. Uh, right. But uh, in terms of you, uh, who were some of your inspirations in terms of the people you could touch and feel in this music field? We we heard Kenyatta and Roz, but who else were those people who inspired you? In terms of when I was growing up, I had a, she worked with uh, with Miss um, Hardison. Uh, she worked with her. Her name is uh, Miss Delisle, Patty Delisle, I believe her name is. She was a mm -hmm. pianist, and she gave me some of the most stern and straight up advice ever. And it was so, it was so, it was so straightforward. And at the time, it really felt like, dang, what did I do? But looking back on it now, it's just like you really said the right things. And I remember that they echo in the back of my head sometimes. Like that, that that was useful advice. She's probably giving me some of the best advice I've ever had in my life. And, and I'm, I'm just really impressed. That That's the parenting that I know that you have in front of you, but just mm -hmm. natural uh, instinct uh, to listen, you know, mm -hmm. and take from it what you need to get from it and not feel offended when someone's giving you information. Right. Sir, you are not of your generation. I'm going to just <laughs> thank you, you that so right much. I've seen a lot of students uh, and a lot of teens and 20-somethings, and you're not of your generation. Thank uh, you so much. And that's a great thing. Um, and please keep that as you go along because you're going to meet people that give you advice. You're going to meet people who you don't even realize they have great information mm -hmm. for you. And, and the best thing that I've heard you say is you go out and seek information. That's, mm -hmm. that's something that I don't see in a lot of people, in a lot of artists. Um, mm -hmm. They are waiting for things, especially student artists. Right. We often have a bad habit of because our, you know, director or the director of the department or whatever gave us opportunities. We were used to that happening. So the transition out of that is typically hard because sometimes we physically wait mm -hmm. for an opportunity to come versus going right. out there and seeking it or just making it happen. Um, mm -hmm. in, in terms of you building a show and building, I, I know you said you were practicing writing a set list. Where mm -hmm. are you right now? Are you comfortable doing shows or... Are you currently doing shows? I actually have booked two gigs this summer already. Okay. Um, uh, I love to perform. And unfortunately, before 
I've always, I've always, I've been on stage since I was very young, but mm-hmm. in terms of performing my own music before, right. right when I started writing my own and releasing my own music, Corona, COVID, you know, so a lot of performances were canceled. So I never really got the opportunity. I performed my songs in public before or for mm-hmm. an audience, but I haven't really consistently performed my music yet, but mm-hmm. I cannot wait. I love to perform. And I feel like, and, you know, it might be a little nerve wracking since I haven't done it consistently in, in, a, in a long time, but in a long time, but I, I need that. I need that nervousness. I need that. I need that thing to shake me up, uh, mm-hmm. to, to give me the energy that I need. And, and I just need to like go out on the stage and shake it off. And then the energy that the, the audience gives me, well, right. I give the energy back. How did you make it work through throughout this pandemic? Because like my show used to be physically in a space, but mm-hmm. we pivoted to an online platform just to be able to reach more people and be consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you let this new virtual platform, because now it's not just concerts and venues, mm-hmm. but now the virtual world is now a new venue uh, mm-hmm. for all artists. Uh, how right. did you pivot in that way or did you pivot? I didn't really pivot. I, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a socialite. Like I'm a, I'm a very sociable and a very extroverted person. So mm-hmm. most of my person to person contact is fine with me, whether it be in person or virtually. I mean, okay. it, it gets kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm outside now. So it is, it's, you know, Corona's it's not gone, but it's, it's lessened up a little bit and we know mm-hmm. how to handle it better than we did in 2020. So, I mean, I'm outside, you know, like, interacting with people but in terms of being in it's it's always like 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 going to work like working from home is nice but you know you miss sometimes it's like leaving the house and like going somewhere it feels like opportunities you have you have things to do like you have Mm -hmm. something new might be discovered today and you don't have the the, as many opportunities as you would have if you're working from home or if you have school from home but I am uh, in college, uh, actually. I'm on summer break now, but I'm in college at Bowie State University. So ooh, ooh. I do have the opportunity to, uh, you know, communicate and talk to new people every day and spread, mm-hmm. spread not even my music, but me as a brand. That's one thing I do hope to achieve with my music is not just spread Marcelin's music, it's to spread Marcelin and to spread who I am and to spread me as a person with my music mm. so um yeah that that person to person everyday interaction is nice the virtual is nice too i mean you know some days i just I just hop right on the phone and just hey mm. i can hop right on class i don't have to walk to class that is a as a lifesaver but yeah i feel like it, it really didn't affect me it affected a lot of people it didn't really affect my mentor it didn't really affect what mm how I operate. Is what Were I'm you saying. able to perform virtually? Um, yeah, I did have like, uh, my in my senior year last year, I had senior recitals. I had okay. three recitals. I just had to take videos and uh, okay. send them in. Uh, I had lessons virtually. Um, okay. It was just, yeah, it was the same really, just virtual. Do you see that as the option for you? In terms Even of like long term. marketing or social media type of thing. Uh, using a virtual space to be able to connect and perform or just market. I, it is an option. I will never limit myself. So okay. I would, I would, uh, 
I would, I take it as an option. I do prefer in person. It feels like the connection is way better, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I would never limit myself. I'll do both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that energy from a crowd. I did a lot of readings and plays mm-hmm. for the late first two years. Uh, and, and it gets old pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I did this studio a, a little over a year ago was because right. I needed to get out of my home. I was tired mm-hmm. of being having my bedroom be my makeshift radio studio, right. and, you know, my jewelry studio, my kitchen. Like I, mm-hmm. I just needed to get out. I think my apartment right. wanted me to get out. I was started looking at it and was started looking at me. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, it, it it has created a different space for us to be able to create mm. where we right. don't, we can just set it up and it can be mm-hmm. as, you know, built out or as subtle and simple as we want it to be. But mm-hmm. I think it's a great space for us to be able to use, you know, in addition to setting up a concert. But I know that immediate i'm a theater actor so mm-hmm. i love that immediate applause or mm-hmm. you know hearing people being able to see people move about uh that excites me so i know mm-hmm. a performer like yourself needs that as well but right. I, I like the the option now to be able to do something more subtle and reach right. people around the world simultaneously right. versus who could get there locally uh, right. so that was my interesting uh aspect and even as you learned the art of uh touring it could be mm-hmm. a great place for you to meet people before you even get there uh, right. to crowdsource because now i'm starting to i'm starting to do it but i'm also seeing other people use it as a crowdsourcing as uh, mm-hmm. uh marketing tool uh mm-hmm. in terms of meeting people before you take the risk and go across the world to perform or something right mm-hmm. how are you sharpening that performance tool are you are you going to be a person that sits at the mic or are you going to be a dancer, singer? A dancer. Or? A dancer. Okay. I'm, I'm a dancer and this, I'm a singer. Uh, but okay. I am, I would, I'm dance numbers, visuals, choreography. I want, I want it to be a movie. I want it, my shows to be like, wow. I want you to be feeling like, wow, that mm. was amazing. Like, I'm usually not the person to, I can, but I'm usually not the person to, like be stationary and sit and sing, mm-hmm. but um, I want dance numbers. I want I want visuals. I want wild. I want wild. I want I want like wow. That's you are a performer. That's that's what I want. And my biggest inspirations are performers. So that's that's, that's what I'm the Janice, the Beyonces, the Michaels, and mm-hmm. that that's a those are big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. So how are you preparing, like on the choreography side? or just the spectacle side where you see the Mm. lights and the, how are you preparing yourself mentally to be able to direct and create a vision to be able to give somebody to make that happen for you? That's a good question. I'm really not sure right now. Maybe I am preparing Mm -hmm. and I do not know, but I always, I always like, I always uh, try to, um, I always try to arrange my songs differently. like uh, my song "Sweet Job," which is probably my most successful song to date, probably tied with "Square One," but my most successful song to date, one of them is is "Sweet Job," and I had just recently heard "Rain" by SWV, and I played the 
the uh, the instrumental, and I'm like, wow, Sweet Child goes so good with this. So I start singing, Sweet Child, in the ride you and die, only us inside. And I'm like, wow, this goes good. So that's another idea. I boom, I write it down, and I, I build. Sometimes I like to build, like I just be playing around, like just finding stuff until like, oh wait, that's good. Let's make it serious. Let's make it. Let's make it into something. And then put it in my back pocket. I'm, so I I'm really love because I don't hear artists saying stuff like this. They'll sample mm-hmm. it without even knowing who SWV is or mm-hmm. not caring who they are, but they don't really take the time to listen. And that's the mm-hmm. when you're talking about a concert or a live performance, that's the so showmanship, you know. And and that's that's why I would only buy a ticket to Janet Jackson if she does a concert. I've gone to every concert she's ever had. Wow. And that's, that is my, you know, uh, in terms of her being on a tour, um, and that's because you know you're going to get spectacle. Right. She's getting older, so she's not hitting the moves like she used to, but you mm-hmm. still will get performance. You know, I've, I've never bought a ticket to Beyonce, but I've gone to a couple of the concerts because I'm thinking mm-hmm. it's a little too much for me. I'm, 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 <laughs> I can invest a little bit more in me right, right. now. Uh, but you know you're going to get a show with Beyonce. You know it's not yeah. going to be boring. You know, and there's very few artists that you know will give you that full range of mm-hmm. a show. And it's a story that's unfolding, or you see like a mini movie happening right before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's a lot of vision that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch a lot of concerts, so if, if you don't do that, I think that's something. Just yes, I watch, watch a lot of concerts. concerts um, mm-hmm. And you, you some of it was a little, so it's a little distorted sometimes. It's not mm-hmm. really clear, uh, but you can get vision from that. You still get, right. you know, vision and point of view. Um, mm-hmm. it, it becomes, it, it it will force you to be a, a, a artist outside of what you know mm-hmm. to be an artist. So a right. visual artist, it mm-hmm. will force you to tap into other people's artistry in right. order to create that vision, colors and, you know, clothing and all those things will then become a part of your uh, your job <laughs> to know. Right. Or even when you're hiring somebody, you know what to, you know, the mm-hmm. language to talk to them in. Um, right. Are you excited about this next element in terms of getting out and doing more shows? I'm so excited. I can't wait mm-hmm. to see what's coming. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I just want to just rush into it without really like pacing myself. But I'm so excited. I, I can't wait. Like I'm, I want it now. <laughs> I, my advice, document everything. Yeah. As artists, sometimes we forget or we so focus on the documenting that we don't do the art part well. Mm-hmm. But just that balance again. But just document mm-hmm. the process and, and mm-hmm. let people see it. It's, it's more content, but it's also a new way of connecting with people. But people now right. like to see the process. The process the behind the scenes, great, yeah. but they want to see the process because that shows mm-hmm. us your growth and that helps people mm-hmm. to invest in who you are a lot more because they see where you started from and where you're mm-hmm. going. So for me, knowing you and Morgan running around at like family stuff or to see mm-hmm. you now, this is like crazy that I did not know that you were a performer. Um, mm-hmm. So yes. I can't wait to follow your work more and, and uh, meet with you and just come to your concerts and such. Um, you so what, what shows do you have? Can you talk about the stuff that you have planned this summer? Um, well, a friend of mine who was also a singer, and I have been to elementary, middle, and high school with her, 
um, mm-hmm. has, and I've worked with her uh, just about for the past five summers, um, maybe four, but she's uh, planning a concert. She asked me to perform. So I had um, immediately when she asked me that, I have a meeting in maybe in a week or two, I think June 11th, to discuss immediately when I heard that, boom, I started playing. And that's when I discovered, oh yeah, Sweet Jive goes with uh, Rain. Um, I'm immediately building a set list. I'm immediately like, okay, now I have to write a ballad to show I can sing. I have to write a ballad. I have to, I have to modernize it and then make it and, and incorporate other things into it. I have to, I have to find things to wear and I'm not wearing a t-shirt and jeans and, and sneakers. And I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing that to perform. I'm going to get something custom made. I want an outfit. I want a, something, a performance outfit. I want something that stands out. I want something that's professional and that's that you perform it, not and you dance right. not right. something you just go up there and, and, and yeah, no. I mean, where did, did this type of thought, this type of reaction, did it, was it always a part of your creativity or has it become a part of it in terms of now, okay, I'm really doing this now. I've invested my money and my time and my art into this. When did that transition happen where you saw yourself as a business versus I'm on a choir, I'm the little singer, I sing a little bit here and there. Right, right. Um, I've always, I've always took singing seriously. I've always, I've always been a singer. My, my mom was, my mom made sure I was in that choir. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miss Hardison made sure I sang the right notes. Yeah, and to say the least, she made sure, and yeah. and she wasn't playing. And um, <laughs> in terms of when I, in terms of when I made the executive decision to be a business and a brand, mm-hmm. I probably somewhere making sweet drive. Okay, so maybe like. I really sweet drive in August. So maybe June of okay. 2021, I was like, I'm not playing. I'm doing this. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to work towards it. And mm-hmm. ever since then, it's just been with my knowledge and gaining knowledge and gaining opportunities. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much because this is my first live live interview ever. Like, oh, wow. wow. Oh, I I love this. I love the opportunity. Thank you so much. I, really I saw the blog interview, mm-hmm. but uh, once I, once your mom posted about you, uh, mm-hmm. one it shocked me because uh, I was like, okay, he's a performer, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always like to give people opportunity and a space. This is what this platform is for. Mm-hmm. The artist exchange is 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 for the one on one and the collaboration and just the spotlighting mm-hmm. of people right. that are are serious about it. You know, mm-hmm. even, even up and coming, if it's a serious idea at this point, you know, mm-hmm. I like to give people that space to be able to promote it and market it because mm-hmm. I know it's it's hard coming up for somebody to reach out to you to do those things. But mm-hmm. especially when you're putting in the work and you're so focused on doing the work, you forget about these types of things. You got to right. talk about it. You got to get people interested because somebody got to mm-hmm. listen. Some, somebody got to buy that ticket or Right. That, that uh download or that music mm-hmm. uh, so we sometimes forget that oh i gotta lift my head up from this art and mm-hmm. sell it to right. people or, or share my story with people and it's really about your mm-hmm. story connecting your story 
So I, I would say start thinking about that narrative of why you do this, where right. you came from with it, who were the, mm-hmm. the key individuals involved in that, uh, and where you want to go with it. So creating right. that narrative, that mission, uh, right. that that brand story uh, about why you do this, that that's going to be the thing that keeps people with you and really attracts people to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you were at Bowie. What are you majoring at? I major in communications with a uh, okay. with a with a can't think of the word concentration in mm-hmm. public relations. So that fits into a, a, a lot of what I do. Public relations, uh, making oh. sure you keep your brand tight, making mm-hmm. sure making sure you're media trained because that's that's what a lot of artists today do not do is they're not media trained like people back in the day. Mm-hmm. They're not media trained. They're not their publicist doesn't teach them things, and a lot mm-hmm. of these things. Like like my some of my classes fit right in the entertainment industry, so uh, right. learning a lot of these things is very helpful because I would I'm I will be media trained. I I, I I'm already a very 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 private person, but to keep mm-hmm. it very very tight and very like forward and and to to know how to interact with with people, to mm-hmm. interact to know how to interact with masses of people is a mm-hmm. skill that is very 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 important. So. It is very important now that that artists know their narrative and they have control of their narrative. Right. We see a lot of the older artists that are now out on these platforms like we are, and they're awkward at it. You know, mm-hmm. and some of them are really good at it, but they they've been told stay back, let us do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that the world is now, where most artists are independent artists now or choosing mm-hmm. to be independent. You have to still know how to control your narrative. Right. Um, and it's not about being fake. So being media trained is being naturally you. It's nothing mm-hmm. that you need to put on. You can take away as much of the information as you don't want to share, but it's about sharing your story. Right. So you know, think about those elements that make you unique and, and mm-hmm. those elements that connect you with other people. And that's mm-hmm. that's the part of the media training that many people overlook. Being mm-hmm. naturally you is not creating this persona. It's not creating this narrative to make people see what you want them to see. But right. it's really just sharing your story. Some of the mm-hmm. most, oh, I say the medium uh, ability people, <laughs> I'll say it that mm-hmm. way, um, they have the best story. And you're like, mm-hmm. how are they getting people? They're not even that good. Mm-hmm. But they've mastered the art of being themselves. And right. people fell in love with that personality. And mm-hmm. they're, they're willing to, you know, listen to a couple bad notes or a couple bad songs because they have fallen in love with the person. The person now, can they get that person long term? Probably not. But <laughs> yourself naturally will help mm-hmm. people to be attracted to you um, in terms of you being a brand, a business, a sound. Uh, mm-hmm. So just being naturally who you are. And I'm seeing that come through, but just be that person. Mm-hmm. And don't, you know, as you grow and as you become more successful, you'll look different. You'll sound different. Right. You'll experience different things. But mm-hmm. remember your brand story, your right. why, and that'll keep you connected and grounded in a way that sometimes money can make us a little lofty thinking and mm-hmm. detached from people. But now right. people who have been celebrities their whole life, are forced to now be one-on-one and just be in a camera and talking to people. Mm-hmm. And then you can see how uncomfortable some of them were. They didn't know how to dress. They didn't know how to, 
do their makeup. They didn't. They did not do anything. Mm-hmm. And the artists that were on the local level, we knew how to just pivot and get that moving. Right. But, so just being yourself, I think, is the most and the biggest lesson that I've learned as an artist. Um, mm-hmm. Creating the persona will only eventually you'll have to break down those things because you'll outgrow that shell that you created for yourself. And that's the right. Whether you fall in love or not like me for being me versus you falling in love with an image that I put out there. So when I mm-hmm. peek out, you're like, well, who is this person? I don't know that person. We don't like that person. We want that thing that you were doing bad. So now, you know, that that is what media training, I think, for me is. Um, but uh, in terms of um, moving to the next level, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? Uh, in terms of moving to the next level, better songwriting, more, more, uh, more of a uh, a catalog. I want more songs. I want more collaboration. I want more opportunities. More opportunities. That's probably mm-hmm. the biggest one. More opportunities, and that that that's probably what the next level looks like for me. More opportunities, more exposure, more. More, more work, and not meaning working like bad, like more work, like more, more things to do. Mm, yeah, be careful what you ask for, sir. I'm tough. I, I don't want like uh, something I can't handle, but I, mm-hmm. I really do thrive off of productivity. Productivity is my biggest, my biggest. Um, I can't think of the word right now, but productivity really gives me. My biggest validator, that's the word. Productivity mm-hmm. is my biggest validator by far. If I'm productive, that tiredness will make me happy. It's like going to the gym and coming home and your body aches. It's just like that ache feels good because you know something's working because you know, I did that today. Yeah, you're young. I can, I can hear it. Because at <laughs> some point when you're sleepy, you be like, fuck all that. I'm about to go <laughs> lay down somewhere. But no one to take a break. Mm-hmm. Know when to say no, right. learn when to say yes, mm-hmm. and understand that what your why is. And right. your why may grow, it may change, it may shift, but it should always be along the same lines of your beginnings. Mm-hmm. And don't let anybody force you into a space or create you or tell you who you are. Right. And you go along, don't, don't do that. And I, as long as I know your mom is around, y'all know she's not gonna let that happen. But for you, understand who you are and be strong in that messaging. Uh, and whatever that that may look like for you in terms of you building that image of yourself, uh, but stay true to you. Uh, right. it's, it's too many people trying to fit into a character or a mm-hmm. box, uh, and that's not who they are. Like you can't right. maintain that. That's a lot to carry throughout right. your career. And then at some point you get tired, so you break all that apart, and nobody likes that person. Mm-hmm. And that's not your problem. That's their problem. But exactly. you have to show up as yourself, and you can't get mad if people fall in love with an image versus the mm-hmm. real thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you think about um, what you want to sing, how you will take us out today. Uh, but I also want to ask you, my final question is, what advice, and I know you right there, but what advice would you give to your 17-year-old self? And what question would you ask to your 100-year-old self? My 
advice I would give to my 17-year-old self would be don't take your intuition for granted. Mm-hmm. With your gut feeling is right. No, follow it. Mm. Follow it and, and, and keep it. Do not forget it. And keep that intuition. Keep your powerful intuition. Don't second guess yourself. Keep your powerful intuition and take it wherever you go because it will help you in a lot of situations. Mm, okay. My advice to my, oh, no, my question to my 100-year-old self would be, um, were you satisfied with your life? Mm-hmm. Were you, are you, did you, do you think you had a good life? Is there anything you missed? Do you, mm-hmm. are you, are you, did you like it? If you had the chance to do it again, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. I, I'm gonna tell you the, the secret to this. Your advice and your question tells you, it should tell you a lot about where you are right now. Mm-hmm. That advice tells me where you are mentally, and that question tells me where you are physically. Okay. You're seeking, you're making sure you're putting each piece down so it means something. You're, mm-hmm. you're making sure you're putting it in the right place. You're, you're trying to base things off of uh, mm-hmm. gut instinct, mm-hmm. but you're, you're purposely putting this block here mm-hmm. and you're trying to pave that way as you go. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you mm-hmm. ask yourself this same question two months from now, it may be different. Right off of where you are right now um so use it as a, a writing prompt um mm-hmm. meditation prompt um or just if you feel stuck at some point ask yourself those what advice what question and it's going well, don't plan it don't be so predictable with it just randomly ask yourself that and it tells you a lot about where you are in that moment i will never forget that so that's that's the piece of advice that i try to live with myself uh, mm-hmm. and I try to give that to all my guests and anybody I come across uh, because they really uh, give you placement, current placement. Um, and no matter how close you get to either of those ages, it still will matter in the moment. It's going to tell you where the moment is. Um, but I, I've asked this gentleman uh, to sing us a song and uh, I want you to just give him a taste. Just give him a taste. Because they're okay. going to have to come to you perform or they're going to have to download that song. But don't give them too much, but just enough to hook them in. I got a song called Sweet Drive that I made last year. And mm-hmm. I'll sing it for you. So it starts off with the chorus. It goes, Sweet Drive, in the ride you and I, only us inside. I'll lead the way, okay? We drive late night into the day this ride don't need much controlling because when we start and the ride gets rolling sweet drive i got cavities because the late drive so sweet Okay, just a little bit. Tell us mm-hmm. where we can find your music, where we you can, can find contact you on social media. Mm-hmm. 
You can find my music on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you think of is on there, on at Marcelin. Um, that is my uh, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-I-N. That is my name on all platforms. Um, that song I just sang is called Sweet Drive. If you like 90s music, if you like a feel-good vibe, it's R&B. I do recommend that song. That is probably my most feel-good, happy R&B song. Um, in terms of socials, my at name is at T-H-E-M-A-R-C-E-L-L-I-N at The Marseillean on all platforms. Social media platforms. information is your IG specifically was at the bottom of the screen. So follow him. We definitely tag him in this. Uh, share this, like this, support this brother. Um, what you, yes. would you like to close out? What message would you like to close out in terms of people knowing who you are, connecting who you are, what your music means, uh, all that? I want people who listen to my music to laugh at my music, to cry at my music, to smile at my music. I want you to to experience life through my music, all be versed. That's why I make my music so versatile. So it's applicable to every life situation that you go through. I want, I want the breakup songs. You, you, you need a breakup song? Go listen to my song. You feeling really good? You want to speed on the highway? Go listen to my song. It, I want to, I want to guide you through life. I want to be with you. So if, if anything, when you listen to my music, please take me with you. That's awesome. I appreciate you for joining us today um, and much success, much love to you. And if it's anything I can help you with, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we you. definitely have to meet and and, and see mm -hmm. how we can support each other um, yes. in, in terms of you growing and, and networking mm -hmm. uh, and just being you. Um, so mm -hmm. let me know uh, what those things are that you may need help with. And mm -hmm. I, if I can't do it, I definitely know somebody who can support you in it. So Thank you so much. Much blessings to you. I'll definitely yeah. be sharing out. Send us some music. I'm going to send you mm -hmm. the email address uh, where we can put some of your music up online. And once you get to a music video, just send that clip as well and we can rock it out for you. Once I get this refund check, the first thing I'm making uh, is a music video. <laughs> that rebate, that rebate be, be hitting on something. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, it do. So much love to you, sir. Just keep Thank it going you. and just stay positive and just work hard. Get Thank the work so in much. now so you can benefit Thank later. Thank anytime. you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you so sir. Much. Peace out. Bye. So that has been uh, the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget every, 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 every Friday, unless, you know, I need a break, um, or Monty needs a break. Uh, we'll be here. Um, I just want to close out with just a little bit of information on, well, not information, but just a little, uh, I, I saw the link that you, uh, that you shared, Monty, on the shooting, uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the image you just posted, in terms of us having to do all this thing just to, be a, a licensed driver or own a car, but none of those requirements are, are there to own a firearm. Um, and that can do way much more harm to a person. Not to say, well, I think it's the same amount of harm. A car can kill you, a gun can kill you um, in the wrong hands uh, or uh, inappropriate hands. Uh, but I uh, 
as a educator, it, it's always been my concern, you know, whether it be a dispute with a teacher or another teacher with a parent or the community that the schools are in. Um, but someone said something interesting um, the other day. These things don't typically happen in the urban settings. They're happening in spaces that you would not think they should happen in. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, crime doesn't happen across the board, but it saddens me at uh, individuals who have been given a job to do, to be at the helm of this decision-making and creating legislation. I should tell you, and, and I've been in a lot of arguments as we close out, a lot of arguments with individuals who want to... Continue. Oh, yeah, no. The rudeness. But I, I but it, it saddens me how you know people automatically go to what what has voting done for us. Soon as something like this happens, and and we don't get our way, we don't get the legislation passed, we don't get the justice that we we seek, um, and we automatically attack the voting process. Voting is not a breathing thing. So man's, man creates the, the struggles and the hurdles and the obstacles that go into making the results of voting what they are. Um, we vote in the people who then become in charge of the voting process. But there lies the problem. There lies the problem. Because we're not voting on the most important issues. We're talking about voting on people, putting people in office that are supposed right. to do the work that we should be doing ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. we put on the ballot specifically what we want. Right. Then there's no question that we on or no delays on what should be done. If guns was on the ballot, then we can make this decisive decision at that time and not have to wait for somebody to be in office to convince. 600 other people to do the right thing. Put it on the but ballot. That means it shouldn't even be a ballot issue at this point. The same way they snuck in this legislation for uh, abortions, why can't the same thing be done for gun control? Or It shouldn't you know, be a snuck in thing. We should be demanding that we put this on the ballot for us to make the deciding factor. Because it's already obvious that we can't count on the representatives that we elect to put in their chairs in Congress to make this decision for us. We can't right. depend on them to do this because they have their own agendas. Yeah. But if you put it on the ballot and let us vote against it or for it or whatever the case may be, then we can make decisions without having to wait all of these years and all of these daggone catastrophes keep happening. And this is I remember a time where we used to get put stuff, they used to put additional stuff on the ballots for us to make uh, referendums. Yeah. That don't happen anymore. Marijuana was on the ballot, what was that, like 10 years ago? And yeah. we all said legalize it. And nothing has happened since, besides medical marijuana being legalized. I now mean, but, but that's still, but we talk that's, about, um, you know, making it for recreational use now. But this is now right. a fight that's been going on for two decades. And there's a process to it, I, and I get that. It shouldn't have taken 20, 20 years for that, but it should not have taken as long as it has taken for 
you know, uh, a civil rights bill to be passed for black people. It should not have taken this long. Like, how many more schools will it take? How many more crazed gunmen will we have to see before we do better? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, I, I'm nervous at having the wrong parent come into the school. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in a space right now where, you know, I'm looking at the security in my building, making sure, asking, do these cameras work? Or, you know, what's the process for? And questions that I never thought of asking before. But these things seem so random and so out of pocket. Now, what's the likelihood of it happening in a certain area? There is no likelihood. I don't know. Nothing going to happen. Nothing's yeah. going to happen, especially because midterms is coming. So no one's going to jeopardize their chances of being either re-elected or re-electing someone new by talking yeah. about guns. <laughs> They're going to use it as their campaign slogans, yes. But when they get in office or when they get renewed, it's going to fall on the bottom line again because they got well, other we things to hold them to the fire. What is your plan? I don't want to hear great advice or, or well, the your, plan, or the I suggest the plan B is that we start being allowed to add other items to the ballots. Yeah. yeah. Let yeah. the people speak for themselves. If they don't want guns, let them say it. If 78% and, of the people in this country I, I don't, don't want understand, guns, then they go. They I don't understand go. how the NRA has so much power and authority. I know they because have they the run money. the campaigns. They give right. them the money for their campaigns. Mm. They have lobbyists that actually influences a whole bunch of these elections. I was watching a view the other day, and Joy Behar brought up this very topic, how disgusting it is that it takes so much money for a candidate to to rise to the top of all the people that are running for a specific seat or office or whatever. And I really think they need to go to a, a situation where they get a certain amount of money maybe like $5,000 if it's local, maybe 20000 if it's national, to be able to campaign. And I know it's going to take more than that, but I think they, they should not be allowed to be able to take any money beyond that set budget. Like, and all of them have the same. And I think if it goes to that point, you will see a lot more cheating and a lot more devious things happening, but you, you'll have... A, you'll know it's happening mm. you, because you couldn't afford all these campaigns. And I think it should be across the board. You know, if it's a if it's a national election versus if it's local, it should be a set amount of money that they have to be able to, you know, buy ads or buy banners. I don't, I'm tired of all these banners and buttons or uh, these little leaflets that come in the mail. I'm tired of seeing that. That's money down the drain to me. And I, I just... I. You know, it's just mind-boggling to me that right. all of these missed opportunities on polling your citizens on what exactly they want have gone by. Every two years, there's an election, and there's also the, the, the actual possibility of polling every single registered voter. Well, and we lose it every single time because they poll people on the news all the time. They do it right, all the time, but you can't yeah. always trust the accuracy, but you can trust the accuracy yeah. of your registered voters because we have to. Right. We have they, to trust the accuracy of a registered voter because that is, that's the only poll that's actually audited four different times before it's certified. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, this is the opportunity that we always take advantage of and miss because we're always talking about who we're gonna put in office. But if you're taking the opportunity to put these questions on the ballot, we can have definitive results to move mm -hmm. forward with this country because we're not getting anywhere with this rhetoric. And, and this, it's very this disappointing. It's an issue for me that, that comes home because I'm in a building and realizing that they've lost this many people this time. Not to say that Sandy Hook or any of the other ones were any less painful, but I can only imagine someone coming into the classroom and me having to, in a moment, put myself in front of my students and how much of a decision that will not have to be for me. It would naturally me want to protect them, but can you imagine having to be in a classroom like that? And I but how long, if this keeps happening, how long can that last before you start to be like, oh, hell no, and jump out the window first? Well, it's happening already. People are leaving before it even becomes. That's what I'm thinking. Right, exactly. They're quitting the whole entire profession. And I, I keep seeing these commercials or these infomercials where the teacher has a gun or do you know how fast a fight can break out in a class before you could jump in it? So a person comes into your room, what time do I have to go get a gun? Hello? I'm here. Uh, the, the sound went out. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I don't understand. I don't want, I, you know, in my real life, I don't like having a gun. But because I live alone, because I, you know, I leave my studio late at night at times, mm -hmm. you know, I have to be able to protect myself. But I don't, I don't want to be in a classroom thinking about something like that. And it's, it's a simple, it's a, such a simple fix, you know, and it is really just the assault weapons that we have to remove the easy access from. And, and I, don't that, I mean, it could be the most sane person, but I believe all of us are a, a few ticks and a boom before going yeah. off. All of us. When because we're in an environment that we live in an environment that we can't escape from. Right. And that we're always influenced by everything that's around us. So we are tick, tick, boom away from being, all of us being, uh, yep. somebody holding a gun. Yeah, I don't want that. In my, I don't want that to be a possibility for me. I will never be a gun owner because I will never have that be the possibility for me because I know my temper. But I know I can. I'm, I'm saying right now. I know I'm saying right. right now. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But but if you've ever, I, I know I've been put in that situation. I've been held up in gunpoint in front of my home before. I've been held up walking to the corner store before. You know, I've been held up three times in my life. You know, so the necessity was, I need to be able to protect myself. I was, I I was held up one to... time and that person regretted it. But that can't be the outcome all the time. Like he got his ass beat that day and I took his gun from him. But that was my training. <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, but that situation had to, be in a, a specific space for you. That could, but it could have went totally different. That's what I mean. It could have been totally different. Right. I could not be. I could could have not been here today. Right. And then I, I all three times that I've been put in that situation, I was caught off guard. 
it's one of the reasons why I don't use my phone when I'm walking or I'm out in the streets. I don't use my phone often. So people get mad at me because they drove past me and called me and I didn't I didn't even look at the phone. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a reason I don't because I've been stuck up three times while I was on the phone and I, I was caught off guard. But it's I, I don't understand how trivial why this becomes such a trivial thing and why people feel so, so entitled to these types of weapons that are killing people. I just don't and understand it's that. Always I mean, you, the same type of weapon. It's I'm sure always. you've been in altercations with people uh-huh. where their anger has gotten the best of them. Yes. Where they have done something to you, or or vice versa. I mean, it, you know, both. You know, anger is anger. It goes in both directions. Where their yep. your anger can get the best of you, and putting a gun in that situation is not yeah. helpful. So, say for instance, let me give you an example. You have a cookout. You know, you got your gun upstairs. Something goes down. Fight breaks out. They fight in fist to fist. But why you had to go upstairs to get your gun? Because something was getting broken in your house. Right. But you were going right. to get your gun because you were going to end it, right? Yeah. One way or the other, you were going to end this fight, whether you had to use the gun or not. But if the gun wasn't in the situation, it still would have been a fight and everybody would have lived. Yeah. That's all it I'm doesn't saying. require, I'm I mean, I'm, people, I'm just you got to trust that, that your anger can, your anger takes over everything. Yeah. Your mind, yeah. the processes, and adding a gun to that situation is not necessary because if you didn't have the gun, everybody still would have went home safe, maybe been bloody noses or whatever the case may be, but they would be alive. What Don't want to add guns to the service. What we brought up, uh, she brought up a great point. She said, start going after the families. Start suing the families. Start oh, of, suing the, of the perpetrators. Of, of the perpetrators. Start suing the families. Start suing the, the person who gun it belonged to. Start suing the person who sold that person a gun. Because apparently you didn't keep it safe as you should have, even being a registered gun owner, that you allowed a child to use this. Or you allowed this adult to be able to get a gun. The post that she put up there, it really, I've been in that conversation all week since this has happened, where people don't, I have to I have to go through hell to just be able to drive a car, but all I got to do is show an ID to get a gun. Like, that makes no sense for me. You know, and for many years, my gun wasn't registered. And, you know, it was interesting because I had never saw, I, you know, when this happened, I had no emotions. Only, it, it, took, it took me seeing the, the, uh, the guy who came up to the school and had to find out that his daughter was dead because the little girl said her best friend is dead. But he mm-hmm. didn't know the little girl. Yeah. She became her, she got, she found her best friend in school and that didn't translate to the parents. So he didn't know exactly who she was talking about until he asked her, who's your best friend? And they she said, some of the children were unrecognizable. And that's when I broke down. But otherwise, yeah. this was like, I mean, it's happened so much. It was like blank to me. But I see, kept trying it, to turn the channel. Yeah. But see, for me, it becomes, it's like the first time every time for me because we have to go through a string of. Uh, well, you're, you're directly involved in this yeah. because 
You are That's a teacher. Why we get all the notices. As soon as it happens, we get all the notices. Our emails are flooded. Our texts. We get uh, we get information over the speakerphone about uh, safety precautions. So we get a little bit more, you know, of, of the the levels of security being breached. And and that's we're already in a very toxic environment with all these different learning styles and behavioral issues to topple that off. That's why parents have less access to the building or guests of the building have less access than you used to be able to go to the school and check in at the office and go up to your child's classroom. You can't mm -hmm. do that anymore. And many school systems, you're not allowed to do that because we've had parents come in there and fighting each other. This baby mama and this baby mama got both of their children in the same grade and they found out fighting guns. Like they're mm -hmm. actual procedures that we have to learn when they yell out certain codes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm in a school building. Why the hell do I need to know, you know, yes, a, a hurricane or, you know, a tornado. Yes, yes, fire drills, yes. But why am I having to do all these de-escalation codes in order to, I, I, and I, I just don't understand how these people can justify it. I don't understand it at all. And, and and maybe because, and the crazy thing is some of them, this is your environment that this keep happening in. These upper middle class neighborhoods, that's where it keeps happening. It keeps happening in those environments. So something should tell you, something you're doing is wrong. And you hold it on to an NRA rifle certificate or your, your a right to bear, like, it's dumb. It is the dumbest thing. And it's always an assault weapon. It's always an assault weapon. Right. They don't get a handgun and go into the school where they could be stopped. They have these, these army level, uh, war level guns that they're using. And then they say in this case, there were students that were unrecognizable. So they couldn't even tell who the child was. Like that means you really shot people up. They they killed a couple teachers and a bunch of students. Like I I don't get how I don't get how anybody, whether you have a child or not, can't feel something for this. Mm -hmm. And it's scary for me be being in the school system. Like you don't know if somebody's going like you say somebody's going to click one day and right. want to run up into a school. A teacher may say something wrong to a child and, you know, or in this case, somebody's, he wasn't, this is a teenager going into an elementary school. Why the hell are you there? Like, why this school? Why, you know, not to say he should have went into a high school or something, but why are you going into an elementary school? You know, and, and to understand a lot of this stuff is racially provoked, it is sickening to me. Like, I, I don't know how to adjust or figure out how to feel, but how in the hell do you even just wrap your mind around? Whoopi said it, but she said, stop going after the families. Who, who got them that gun? Who sold them that gun? And if you start attacking people's pockets, even if you don't win, they're going to have to spend some money it's going to start being a little bit more of a, a need to wait and, and test somebody's mental capacity or, you know, check records or, 
It, it, it's going to take more. You're going to second guess before you sell just anybody a gun. You know, I, I, I'm not opposed to you looking at people's social media or their social affiliations. I don't care. Tap into my my rights. Because in situations like this, I, there's no reason why we have yet another school shooting. Like, it was, how far, wasn't it like a week between the two? What happened in the market and what happened at the school? It was less than a week, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, it was like a week. It was like a week. A complete week. It's crazy. I, I, I've always been on nerve in public places because I've seen fights break out. And but you know, here's 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 something that's really really. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I don't even know how to explain this because I, I actually after this happened I started looking into the different places in the world that has and their policies on guns. Mm -hmm. England, very strict policies. New Zealand, very, very strict policies. It's like you can't even have one. Australia, same thing. Very, very strict policies. You can, it's almost like you can't even have one. South Korea, they're outlawed. The police don't have guns, nor do the yeah. nor the citizens. Um, so we are actually the only country that's like, we still live in the wild, wild west. That's sad. That's and it sad. doesn't that make sense. in any other country in the world, but ours. It doesn't happen anywhere else. And I don't understand why you can't corroborate that you can see the problem is that you have guns, period. Mm, 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 mm. Having a gun does not make peace. Or even if you're having it for recreational purposes, like it's But you don't need them for recreational purposes. You could use a paintball gun if you're trying to shoot something for recreational purposes. An actual gun to kill something is not necessary. And it's definitely not necessary to feed your dumb ass. Right. Like the excuse is I like to hunt and I have the right to hunt. No, hunting should be outlawed, period. Let's get mm. that gone. For what? Mm. I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm really, you know, and we keep being at this moment where people are outraged and people are, you know, uh, one of the teachers, like, she just couldn't, you know, she couldn't take it. Like, and she just busts out into tears when we were having our meeting. And, and rightfully so, because, I mean, the likelihood of it happening in an urban environment is is it's not as high as it has been in some of these suburban neighborhoods. Uh, but nevertheless, it could happen because there are, every time one of these things happen, it happens with a bow and arrow. <laughs> then a gun. And I hear people that look like me who just- Put some effort it. in it then. If you're trying to be a hunter, put some effort in it. Use a bow and arrow, use a crossbow, use something else, then a gun. I've never, I've never been a fan of hunting. I've never been a fan. I've gone on one, uh, one trip where they went, and I just couldn't even bring myself to doing it. Like, I'm not going. I'll stay right here in this this hut because I'm not, I'm not going because it just didn't make sense to me. Like, we're going to go hunt an animal. Like, what are you going to do with the animal after you hunt it? Like, I'm not eating that shit. I'm gonna go to the market and eat. I'm not but even if you wanted to that. use a gun, it don't have to be bullets. You can use a trank. 
if you like, you know, you 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 hunting for a deer, trank it, but let it fall asleep, and then you kill it. But even Sunny Hostin said something. She said, "But hers was a little far fetched. Uh, hers was they need to create smart guns. Like if you lose your phone, you can shut the phone down and prevent anybody from using no, it. Why can't they use that, that? If you lose it, then that's the possibility of somebody picking it up and killing somebody with your gun." Yeah, but if it's what a, a waste. Smart why is this still an industry? You can if you're not in the military, the why is this still an industry? If you're not in the military or the police, I don't. I mean, if you're trying to keep the peace, right, and all of those kind of things that you want to do, stop giving people the tools to break the peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you it, know, it, human it, nature is to destroy. We're doing it constantly to the planet. Why keep giving them the tools to do it? Some people are bad inherently. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I just. I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how are we at a space in our country and corruption is everywhere. So I'm not trying to make America that's seem bad. like right. That's bad. People are bad inherently. Yeah, right. That's what you said. with it all. Like, how do you justify taking money from organizations that keep the things that are happening, like something like this? Mm-hmm. And the day, day I was reading that the NRA is having a convention now mm-hmm. in like Texas, less than thirty miles away from where this happened. Now, so insensitive. Like, how do you still justify that level of ignorance? Like, I, I don't understand why the parents of that school don't burn that fucking convention down. Hmm. That's where I, I would I'd be willing to do a couple decades in jail because I would go and I would blow it up. I really would. Like, I, I couldn't imagine being one of those parents who had to go to the, the driver and realize your child is not coming out that building. Or your parent isn't coming out of it because it was adults killed as well. Like, how do you justify that? Like, that that just got me. That just I I can't stand watching these Republicans, and I'm so I'm even at this point I'm tired of these Democrats. I'm tired of them playing soft. I'm tired of them playing safe. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the fake anger from Biden. I'm just tired of it. I'm really, you're trying to play nice. They, these people are not playing nice. They are about to roll back one of the most monumental outside of the civil rights bills in our country. They refuse to even listen to any type of legislation that will prevent people from owning assault weapons. And it's specifically assault weapons. The fact that people have to get a background check, they are against people being able, they want you to be able to walk into a Walmart in the middle of this country and be able to pick up an assault rifle. Just because, mm-hmm. oh, that's a nice color. I like that wood grain on that one. I like it's pink. It's pink. This is so cute. Like a that, gun, a gun being cute. Right. A gun being cute. That's the emphasis right. on that. Yes. Yeah. That's that's gonna go great with my collection. For what? What are you preparing for? Oh, this match my boots. Right. And and I and I love the feeling of shooting a gun. 
it hurts for me, but I love that feeling of it. But mm -hmm. I don't want to use it. Like there's nothing appealing beyond that to me. But that's nothing short of just going to a, a firing range and, and just playing. I don't even like doing, I've been to an outdoor one. I don't even like the out because I don't want to accidentally hit someone. That's not a good feeling that you could kill someone. Ugh. This is, I don't understand enough. How do these people keep getting elected? Like who? I That's what I'm saying. It's not even about the elections no more. Certain things should be put on the ballot for us, the people, to vote on. It's not a it's it's not a thing about whether these representatives want this, these representatives want it or not. This is now should be become a majority rules type situation where. It's where it's out of hand because y'all won't make no decisions. Because that's what it should be. If you can't make this decision, mm -hmm. if you can't get this bill crossed and put on the ballot and voted on, then we, the people, in the next election should make the decision for you because we can't wait no more. Same thing but like abortion. If this same thing should happen with right abortion. Now. It's so important that we get this stuff done that it should not right. be up to legislation for these for Congress and the I mean for the um, the House and the Senate to actually have to take these things under their wing because it's not getting done. Nothing. But the people who done. the people who have the authority to make that happen or create that legislation, they're not doing anything. They're they're trying to be bipartisan. They're trying see, to not. It's actually not wrong. a bipartisan thing for us locally in your state to put things on our ballots. Right. Because like I'm saying, we, we know that like 78% of the people support abortion. 78% of people support background checks and all that kind of stuff for gun reform. It's not getting across to the representatives. But you can't, it's undeniable if your own city, your own state puts it on a ballot and you vote for it. You can't actually ignore that now it's a part of election record right but i think it's I, I, and i'm gonna do some research for you for next week's show or mm -hmm. um what it takes to put something on the ballot i'll call um i'm gonna see if i can i ain't gonna say his name out loud because then he will be fake about it but i'm gonna i'm gonna call a couple of people and see if they could could come because that's for me that's where i'm at right now because Outside of even this being a problem, just the school system at large, just the, the way things are happening where you can just arbitrarily close a school or remove resources from a school. Like, what is it? Like, it's, I've always tried to just do what my, I'm supposed to do and go into the school and teach or be an art. But at this point, I'm realizing I'm working backwards because the problem is not within the the problem, if you see it, the result of the problem is in the school system, but it's really in those people that's sitting in their suit and ties and eating their, you know, lunches that's being paid for by my tax dollars, you know, just to sit up and, and make a rule, you know, this Sandalise, this, this, this CEO of the school board, you know, she was sending out these bullshit ass messages all week long talking about this and i'm saying but you have school a school system right here that is you keep taking money from it and putting it in your damn uh payroll 
you know, even, even, even for me, I'm a substitute this year. I don't get paid enough to deal with the shit that I have to deal with. But you write these pretty little messages that your secretary probably wrote. And, and it's not a concern because your child is in their bubble. And they, they go to a nice charter school where they don't have to deal with this. Or I think her daughter's in a charter school, but it's, I just, I, I don't know what to do at this point. So I think that's my only, I don't want to, I don't want to work in a building anymore. I want to do legislation because I don't understand how, like on this side, how do we keep doing that? How did, how do we, and if some of these schools that are in suburban areas that this is happening, they have nice facilities. They have, you know, I think the one with the school, the problem is how did he breach security? Like, how was he able to get into the building? Did he know somebody? Did, like, how did he get in? You know, I know most of the buildings they have now, the camera systems where they look at you and they buzz you in, but did he break in? Uh, a, a door was a door left open you know was he did he know a child there and that's how he was able to get in like how does these things keep happening where this person could just get into a building and just start shooting you don't see that fucking gun like where was the gun hidden at that you didn't see it but I, I don't know I don't know how to feel rightly about it and I try to not look at the news, but at the same time, I just need to be informed. You know, I, I really need to be, it was a man, it was a parent who was standing in a building and typically they don't stand in a building. And I just felt very uncomfortable about this man being here. Uh, and I felt bad about it because it was another black man, but I didn't know him. I had never seen him. And I, you know, I was like, well, we have to go up to the office if you're looking for your child. And he, he got an attitude because I think he understood what I was doing. But I had to say, sir, I don't know you. So you're just a person standing. And it was just the middle of this week. He was just standing in the lobby. And I was like, are you looking for a child? It's after school. Like, you have to go to the office if you, you're trying to pull them from an after school program. Or, you know, did they not come out? And he was like, no, I'm good. No, sir, we're going to the office. Because mm -hmm. I can't have you. I, I don't feel. And I'm walking out the door. And I'm saying I don't feel comfortable with leaving you standing right here, just waiting. Like, let's go to the office. Let's be proactive about this. Because if he if he was just somebody who snuck in from the street, I would have been devastated if I heard on the news this man with his picture. And I know I just walked past him. So I mean, how many people walk past him? You know, how many people walk past the guy who shot up the the market? But I, I don't know. Uh, I don't even care about the racial aspect of it, but because the kids keep happening, and I just see children dying or being killed rather, versus you know you creating legislation that could have prevented that person from getting it, or would have forced the person who may have owned that extra gun if it was a parent for not having it. What what are we doing? You know, and I remember them doing tests before with some of these assault weapons. They can't even hunt with that gun. They would tear the animal apart. So you can't use it for food. You can't use it for its skin. Like, what would you be using an assault rifle that can shoot that many rounds off at one time? Like, what, what would you be using it for other than to just go kill a bunch of people at one time? But, ugh. Oh my God, my um, 
my spirit. But this has been another edition of the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Uh, I need a drink. And I, I think I drank a little too much on Tuesday, but I this makes me want to drink or eat a cheeseburger or something. Because I can't imagine being in a space right now where this is a thing, where this is a possibility, where this is something that happens. Uh, but that's the world we live in. That's, that's how we get that. Does this make back into the classroom? Say it again. Does this make you rethink going back into the classroom? It does. Like so many things are making me rethink going into the classroom. You know, the fact that, you know, I don't, I don't, it, for this specific issue, it really puts something in me because I don't, I can't see myself being somebody who would not jump in front of these children. Even mm. the bad ones, jumping in front of them if somebody came, but that's my life been gone. And mm. I don't think the people who legislate or create laws or are sworn into offices even care about the people who put themselves in front of those children only to get their head shot off. I don't think they're even thinking about them in this matter. They can't, I, I don't understand how, that would take an evil person to have a thought and then still create legislation that blocks any type of progress in improving the laws, whether it be, you know, obtaining a gun or doing background checks. And those seem to be the two hot button issues because nobody's saying, I want your guns off the street. That's how the Republicans keep wording it. But the messaging keeps being, you know, they want to take away our guns. No, we want to create legislation so the right, so the guns are in the hands or the safety of the right people. Because somehow these little teenagers or 20-something-year-old crazy-ass people keep getting access to schools and they're shooting people up for nothing else. And most of these people have children or grandchildren. Why wouldn't you think about changing the rules so somebody doesn't come into your child's private school or charter school or suburban school and shoot shit up. Like, how how devious or evil are the people at the NRA but not wanting them to create legislation? And, and I understand the fear. If, I, if we get rid of these AK whatevers or assault rifles, then they're going to get rid of my handgun eventually. Please. Like, right. That's how I feel. Oh. It's so interesting because this mm-hmm. happened right after, you know, Skyline um, last Wednesday had um, a show on guns, gun certifications and all that kind of stuff, talking about all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you know by now how I feel about guns and all that kind of stuff. Right. right. And I only let that happen because guns are legal. I mean, they're not yeah. illegal as long as you get them the right way. Um but then now this happens, it makes me regret even letting that show air. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. And I, like I said, I know why I have one. But I would never, I'm not a person that, because I have a, my neighbor got on my nerves or my landlord got, a, and I'm about to go get my gun. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. I was told. But you had a specific reason for why you needed a gun. I have never had my home broken into. I've never been 
outside of that one incident that I told you guys, we already discussed, mm -hmm. I've never had an incident where a gun was in my life. Right. So as soon as I find out, you know, any of my friends, if you're listening, you know who you are, um, that you got a gun in your home, I'm not coming over. Yeah. Because I know my mouth. I might say something to piss you off and they hear you going up to your gun locker to get your gun. Because I have a mouth on me. So I'm not going to go, I'm not going to put myself in that position. I'm going to stay my ass home. You keep your gun over there and you're safe. Right. And I, and I, and I grew up with a gun. My mother had a gun. Uh, my stepfather had a shotgun. Um, if there were guns in my home, I did not know about them. Yeah. And that was me. I didn't, I found it. And that's what made my mother tell me what it was for and tell me, educate me on it and keep me from it. So I never played with guns. That wasn't my story. You but know, see, but, that to me is considered concealment. Yeah. That it was a concealed weapon in the house right. that I had no idea that was there. Yeah. No it one else outside okay. of the home knew it was there, whether they right. were coming in or not to be a you know to be uh, you know harmful yeah. or not they had no idea this gun was in here and that is that's considered to be to me to be unsafe for me because yeah. you stumbled yeah. upon it what mm -hmm. if somebody else came in and stumbled upon it that was tick tick boom yeah and now everybody's dead except for the one that's not the person that lives there <laughs> yeah yeah and that's if the gun wasn't there there is no tick tick boom reason because you yeah. can tick tick boom, but you go tick tick boom with your hands. Right. And I can fend against that. But the bullet coming at me a million miles per hour, I can't fend against. It's going to get me. And that's that's one of the, and, and to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of people in my home. And mm -hmm. I can really count on one hand how many friends that I have at my home. But it really, it's one of the reasons that I choose that because I don't want to ever have to be in that space where I have to use it. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be in that space. And I've right. had my home broken into before. I've been held up three times at gunpoint. So it's, it's something that is a real concern for me. And I didn't live in a bad area. So it, it really was puzzling to me. And I live, and I, I'm not so exposed. You know, you still got to get a key to get into my building itself even before you get to my apartment. It's the reason I always live on the top floor. It's the reason, you know, I, I always try to safeguard myself so I don't have to resort to that. I'm going to make it so difficult for you to get inside. But at the same time, I've been in spaces. And there are times where I have it with me. Like, you always see me. I always have a big bag with me. And that's one of the reasons. And I, I don't typically have it. But most times I do. If I know I'm leaving here late, I got it. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I might have to use it. I've been, I've been in situations where I had to protect myself, and I don't like using it. And mace is not an option because people can eat mace. It's crazy ass people out there. And then you might hit but, yourself. <laughs> right, right. and I've done that. You know, I've done it. Well, that that was a part of the training. You had to, you know, in order for me to feel comfortable using it, even the gun, I made sure I knew how to use it. Mm -hmm. But it's not, I, 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 I'm not a person, I don't even look at it. If I don't need it, if I, or if I'm not taking it out with me, I don't, I don't even look at it. I'm not one of the person that goes to play with it and polish it and shit like that. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. But 
it, it worries me more when I see people, when I go into people's homes and they got them on display. Like that, that is crazy to me. And that makes me feel very uncomfortable. But I, I don't know. But that's why I try to avoid them at all costs because I know temp- temptation is a bitch. And you know when something is put in front of you, you sometimes want to touch and feel on things, and then yeah. then you you lower your inhibitions to being able to have one at home. No, nope. Yeah. I don't want to touch one. I don't want to feel one because I know me, me in particular. If the chance has you know come that I have to use one, I'll do it. Yeah, but I don't want to make it easy for myself either. Yeah. By having one in my home. Yeah. Because yeah. It, if push came to shove, I would have to use it versus fighting. I'd rather fight the criminal. I'd rather fight this burglar. If he gets in here, he gets his ass whipped with every tool that I can craft. And then, and I feel, and honestly, I feel the same way. Even if something was to happen, I wouldn't even go, I wouldn't even result. Well, my instinct would be to go for it because. I could stumble or I could fall or mm-hmm. they could still get the best of me or right. you know those things. Or to be a complete gunfight because they got one too. Right. Exactly. So that's the part, that's the other side of me. Like I don't understand. Like I value you being able to have your amendment right and be able to, you know, use your firearm and have your firearm. But why do you have the ones that are so deadly? What is the we actually spoke about this before in the Second Amendment thing, because I don't know how legal scholars are still trying to come up with this way of saying (laughs) that gun ownership is a right. Well, because the full sentence to the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia. Comma. Mm -hmm. Being necessary to the security for uh, of a free state, comma, the Mm -hmm. right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I think it's being interpreted now as because uh, they're trying to break away those commas, but those commas make the full sentence of the Second Amendment. And you not being a well-regulated militia is the first part of the Second Amendment. And that means individual homes are not regulated militias. Well, I think I think the 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 historical element was was we, they did not have a, a formed policing system. So the militia were the individual homeowners. Well, at that time they were not. But the they were. Constitution was written a, at the time a, of war wasn't a, a, a organized a organized policing system so they were simply your neighbor and you both own guns and we then go out and protect our town that's that's what it came out of and now it's being interpreted as I get to protect my own home my personal home so now that there is a, a uniform police right. <laughs> Right. Well, shit, I got to protect myself from them. So, mm. you know, even that argument is sometimes 
So I go back to, again, what I stated in the beginning, where we would talk about all the different countries that have heavily regulated systems on gun ownership. You can't own a gun in Australia. You can't own a gun in New Zealand because why? I mean, not not those, you can, but it's very regulated. In um, South Korea, you can't own a gun. But look, but also you have to understand what their crime rate is. You know, and as I know it's the chicken or the egg. The but there's no crime rate that will be related to guns if there were no guns. <laughs> I mean, but even places like Australia, it's not so long ago where they created that as law. But at some point, they well, were but, like, but oh, if you go back that far in Australia, Australia was a prison state. So there was right. still no guns except for the people that was guarding the prisoners. But I, I, I mean, I, I, I understand both sides of it. But for me, I don't get how these things can keep happening and you don't feel differently. Not even for a moment. You don't hesitate like, "Mm, maybe we should evolve the laws. But I don't understand how we are the majority in the Senate and the majority in the House and we still aren't passing these laws. Like because, that's well, it's all because we are not. We may be the majority. We are not the voting majority, though, because it has to in the Senate it has to be sixty percent. We're fifty-one, sad. so they need it's sixty sad. votes to pass a law. It's, but it's 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 sad to me. It's it's sad because they still get their stuff across. Like they get it across. They get it across. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. You know, and, and this whole veto power stuff, get do this shit. I, I don't care about black versus white shit. Get the shit done that we absolutely need. And everything else we can fight for. But the shit that you have authority over making an executive order over, get it done. That's the executive order, write it. So then I guess the next question will be, how do we start the process of getting it done? My suggestion Biden. is to put it on the ballot. It's a simple fix. Biden, get your ass in that office and get that executive order drafted and sign the shit. That's it. He can't, well, he can't write an executive order against the Constitution. Well, break a law. Trump That did. has to be, that is a legislative process and then millions of lawsuits in the Supreme Court. <laughs> but do something. Break yeah. a law. Executive orders can't uh, can't void the constitution. Do something. Do do something. I, I don't understand how they're able to get this this abortion bill passed. But you can't get. Well, it's not a bill. It's a it's a um a dissent from the Supreme yeah, Court. But I, I, whatever the the level of it is, do something. To stop I don't it. want I, 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 I agree. But you, like, that's why I said, why, what is the next step? What is the steps to doing it? My recommendation was to be to put everybody in their particular states, make a right. referendum to their state houses on putting it on the ballot mm-hmm. and make it a definitive. This is definitive. Everybody will have their chance to vote on this or how you want it. And we can see definitively in a um, what I say, majority rule setting what we want. Do you want 
you can put the question several different ways too. If somebody says, do you want the second amendment to be, you know, you know, guns to be gone or not? Yes or no. Right. Do you want this to be highly regu- heavily regulated? Yes or no. Do you want abortion or not? Yes or no. Those three questions, bam, on a ballot. That's not a couple, that's not, a, that's not extra steps because it's always money questions on there. Who are we going to fund this year? What library are we going to build? What, you know, what building are we going to give this loan to? Then you can add those questions to the ballot and we can get some definitive answers. Now, from the people, not from the representatives that ain't doing shit for you because they don't care about you once they're in office. They say they do, but they're not listening. They're going off of their own agendas. But that's how it actually gets on the ballot. They still need that person to put right. it on the ballot. Right, but the process of getting something put on the ballot is, is a requirement of voting people that actually have rights to vote, citizens to sign to say put this question on the ballot. Right. I so if you get I these list of signatures that says that we, we would want this put on the ballot, then you give it to your representative, then he has to make the motion for this to be put on the ballot. And well, until we start you know, doing that and making making sure that we what we want is being presented, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change because no one we're talking to each other and we're talking to the world. But this is because we have this platform. The lame the lame person person outside right now that's not listening to us don't know what to do next. Yeah. Yeah. But until we get these processes into, the, into a place where we can actually bypass Congress and get our questions answered from our own mouths, we're going to still be right here. Because everybody's talking to the media and all that kind of stuff, but the media is only there to report the news. They're only there to report to you what's happening or what's, what, what their opinions are on what's happening. That's not a decision. That's not a definitive choice. That's not making change. That's just being an open mouth and an open source of listening. We need definitive change. And if you're not going to follow the rules and do the process, then nothing's ever going to change. Well, well we can well, the last question we seen added to a ballot outside of all the loans that you approve and all this other kind of stuff, all these installment payments that you would pay on a, this damn um, entertainment district that's being built downtown now when we made those loans and stuff was marijuana. And they approved it. That was when everybody said they wanted um, marijuana use for recreational use. But what happened to that? The, the politicians in charge said, no, but we'll look at medical marijuana. Then that got approved. But we said, the, the bill said, the, um, the ballot said recreational use. Yeah. That wasn't up for you to make the dis- definitive decision to say, no, we're not going to give you that. We told you what okay, we wanted. But- Something has to happen with these special interests uh, and how they're being formed. I think they call the PACs. All this stuff needs to be addressed and it needs to be done away with because the money that you make, it should be illegal for you to make money outside of what your salary is uh, as a government employer. Like it should be illegal. You know, as you know, if I don't, I don't see it any different as you know, Mayor Sheila Dixon getting, you know, a fur coat or um, 
or gift certificates. It should be the same thing as somebody contributing to your to your reelection fund if they have a special interest. I don't I think all that stuff needs to be done. I understand lobbyists because often they are trying to get specific things passed, but the fact that people with with uh, money can influence a law more than uh, any other citizen. I think it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't think I think that's abuse of the system. And and we we convict this person for doing it, but we won't convict this type of person for doing it. Mm -hmm. But people, um, yeah, I'm about to go have some fun because this is stressful. It is very stressful. It is very, um, um, yeah, it's, it's just like a circle with it because this is going to die down and then in the other year or so it's going to be another school shooting. Like, unfortunate. As it says, I'll say it again. It says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. That's the first two parts of the Second Amendment. Then it says the right of people to keep their needs arms. To be, the wording needs to be evolved. That, like, it needs to be evolved if if it's going to mean because it meant one thing. But it does then. not say everybody in the world has the right to bear arms. That's not what it says. Everybody has the right to bear arms. It does not say that. That's not what it says. It says a well-regulated militia to the security of a free state. None of these people, you included, are not secure in this state. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It's evolved into your own domain, your own home. It's not. That's what I'm but that's not what the Constitution says. The Constitution does not say to the security of your own home. It yeah, says to the they, security of a free state. Yeah, but the the idea was there were no rules prior to this to you Correct. owning a gun. But now, with there are rules, there is no need for you to have a gun to secure the, the to this the, the security of this free state when there is a well regulated militia, meaning the police. And we already have that well regulated militia. But the you police won't do anything until you all until you've already been shot and, and or killed. That's what right. but that's but that's the happens. you see how that's counterproductive to the rule because you've already introduced the sale of the guns because you've interpreted this amendment the way you wanted to interpret it so you can own guns and okay. now you've introduced the guns into society so the reason you got shot is because a person that should not have had a gun in direct relation to the second amendment had a gun and shot you. But if you would have been doing what the amendment actually says, you wouldn't have got shot. Because they wouldn't have had access to an AK-15 or, or whatever the gun was. Because they shouldn't have had access to it. Because buying a gun as a single person that just turned 18 and did not join the armed forces or a police service right. should not have a gun. Because you are not protecting the free state. That is not your job because you work at McDonald's. That's a free state. <laughs> it's a slave state. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of an argument to, to revise the Constitution. 
But I don't believe it needs to be revised. It should be enforced the way it's written. No, but that but that was a different time then. There were no rules prior to But this is the rule. That's what I'm saying. If you listen to what I just said, it says a well-regulated militia. The reason for that militia to be formed was because of the problems they were having with people just taking over. The well-regulated militia is in in existence now. The well-regulated militia is in its existence now. That is called for us, it's called the Baltimore City Police Department. That is the well-regulated militia. But they never, but they never evolved the rule though, because the, the militia was the everyday citizen. It wasn't a specific back then, but that was also because it was wartime. But it wasn't wartime. It was just it, it wasn't wartime. This was just the law of the land. Just no, when this Calvary. amendment was written, because remember, remember, this was not a part of the Constitution initially, because it was mm-hmm. also wartime. They created this amendment to be amended for wartime. The reason that you the, own a gun at idea, home is because it was the idea for the draft. That's that's where the draft idea came from. That's that was the whole purpose of it. it's kind of it's kind of split for you being drafted into the army and or you being a part of right. the police. And that's what I say. But we, uh, here in America, we always try to make up things to justify yeah. words. But words no, but I'm saying they have, to, they have to spell it. It has to be plain now. It has to be plain. I don't understand how more plain it can get from saying a well-regulated militia. Militia that meaning an army. different there because the militia was your neighbor. It was you. If because you, you were a part of wartime processes. Yeah, but it went beyond just wartime. It became the way that they protected their cities or their towns or their exactly. neighborhoods. Exactly. The protection of a free state. That yeah, now gone person, away. That's now gone away. And you have now created a well-regulated militia, meaning your police department. There was no sheriffs or deputies but at today the time. there they, are they, it is and i understand it but that law needs to then be written or updated in terms of how it's written because but, now that interpretation then is different from what that means now. but it's not an now, interpretation that's what i'm saying when you were chosen to protect your town your city or whatever you became a part of a well-regulated militia then you created the well-regulated militia and gave them their entity and, and then endowed them with empowers and their own set of but constitutional everybody rights. Had a gun, but everybody already had a gun, though. Right, but those now everybody has updated their gun those, to something new. That's what shouldn't have been allowed. But everybody had a gun. But those select individuals who chose to step outside of those individuals and be the, fourth, the face of the protection... So you no, that, so that I guess became, what you're saying is in 19 right. let's use this in 1950 the gun they had then is the same gun they have now no no and that's that's what I'm saying so it has to be updated in terms of where we are today because it's been loosely interpreted interpreted that, but that's what I'm saying okay right there. You, that's what you right. just hit the nail on. It's been loosely interpreted, yes. and interpretations are wrong because words have meanings. And the meaning of words, when you form a sentence, is just that. Yeah, but that's the that's the problem with the with the Supreme Court. 
what judges and they interpret the law and they mm -hmm. interpret it based off of where we are now what the mm -hmm. rules are now they, so they, every so to interpret this to into today's world is to mm -hmm. say that everybody's home is their own separate militia yes and that's how it's being interpreted right now mm. that is and that's part wrong. of the problem and that's completely wrong it is it's wrong but that's how it's been interpreted because those everybody already had a gun the the individuals who stood out and and became a part of the militia were just a separate union of neighbors they were not they weren't deputized eventually they became the paddy waggers who would go around and pick up the slaves, so on and so forth. But outside of that, even those people were just citizens who just were given certain authorities to be able to do things. So the, the law has been interpreted as we went along because those same people who became a part of the first militia also became a part of the slave issue. So they in, the, in, in, in the state of this now, what they have done is they said, they crossed out. So in, in the interpretation of today's world, what you say, what you're saying is they've crossed out a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of the free state. So all of that has been crossed out. Right. All that's been crossed out to me, my own dwelling or dwellings. Right. So then it goes on. Right. So with that being crossed out, the new amendment, the new amendment, the second amendment is basically saying the right of people to keep and bear arms shall okay. not be infringed. Yes. And that's that and because and that's we've been, we've right. allowed we've allowed time to be the interpreter because now we have a militia. We have because then the only question you can really have is do you live in a free state? And the assumption is that we all do. And then the next question would be, do you have a police department? It is, and the answer will always be yes, but. Nope. I'm, I'm just saying. That's <laughs> no, I know. I, I get what you're just saying. Yeah. I know. I get what you was going with that. But I was about mm -hmm. to say, there is no but. The answer to the question was yes. Period. But it's been, but it's been that loosely interpreted, interpreted, well, I keep saying it, interpreted all these years. I, no, I get what you're saying. No, I get it. That's why we're talking about this now because of the least interpretation of ongoing gun ownership. But I just wanted to break down uh -huh. what the Second Amendment actually says versus what the interpretation is. And the interpretation yeah, is be, wrong because be none of these people that live in 1202, 1204, 1206, 1208 have anything in common to make a militia. But we have to also understand that if we do that with that amendment or we do that with that uh, right, all the other ones will then be affected. It should. It should. Because words and, mean something, and, that, and the Constitution was written for it to mean something to everybody. Our, and making interpretations on the Constitution is what's wrong. But we have to be we have to be careful with that because I would I would say things need to be rewritten. But if we go solely based off of how it's written, we are not free people. In terms of we were freed in the, I thought we were wait a minute, hold on. The amendment, that's, the amendment freed us. That's and what I'm saying. It's something, that, it, right. it's something that expired also. That amendment expired. Amendments on this expired to the constitution. Uh technically, 
our freedom was something that was able to be, it was it expired because it expired. What, what was that in like the early 2000s? Well, amendments to the constitutions don't, don't, um, don't expire. Read it. Our freedom as black people expired. What was it? Our freedom? No. Yeah, it was our freedom. And our right to vote. And our right to vote. And our right to vote. Women, people of color, our that right can expire. Now, traditionally, they're not gonna say, "Well, oh, we got to take that back now. That expired." So traditionally, it keeps going. But if you go by how it was written, a lot of us won't be free. A lot of us won't have certain rights, alienable rights. So that's watch out interpreting things literally as they're written <laughs> because some of us some of our answers be back in the field or without a, a ability to vote the thing is um servitude hasn't ended i mean slavery has ended where you're, you're not working for no pay but um servitude has not because we still make a minimum wage in the jail system like you said, minimum wage. Well, that's not uh, jail. Is totally different because jail, you lost your rights. Yeah, but there's still a slave system built into it, though. Right, but that's but the it's not really a slave system when you are working to pay for your room and board. Mm, but that's not how it's set up, though. That may be how they justify it, but no, it is how it's set up. It's set up for you to pay for your room and board and not That's for you not to be a burden right. on the state. So it's on set taxes. up for them to create products in order for them right. to go. But it also comes from, it, that comes from being able to get a job when you get out. But do they not call that slavery when, no. when you have lost your freedom because of the crimes that you committed against the public? I don't know if that would be considered slavery. I, I can't. I, I wouldn't justify that being slavery argument, because you lost your argument. you lost your rights. You committed a crime. You broke the laws of being a citizen because you wouldn't have been in here if you didn't break the law. But they they often pay them a wage that is so low that it's not even sufficient. Like change almost. It is. It's pennies. It is pennies. So. I mean, I get what you're saying there. I mean, but, but it's still a system. Whether it's justifiable or not, it's still the same, the same type of system that has been built in because now that's what the private jail, the argument towards private well, right. jails are. Mm -hmm. Like they're making such a profit off of the work of these individuals. And there's not a system built in where if, like you can say I have a certificate in plumbing when I leave this facility, but will they let me use it when I get out? And many saying that, well, just the community. Will the community look at that in the same oh, Exactly. Way? But that's not, I mean, that, that's that? not a ding against the, the system though. That's a ding against society. Well, I mean, because it has to be something like if I go because to you're supposed to. I mean, as a, as a societal reflection, you are supposed to accept these people as reform, and that's what we don't do. Yeah, but the system is set up where though once you leave, oh, oh well, 
Because the same way if you if you go to college. And that's not true because you knew what I did. You knew what I do for a living. I know. I didn't want to bring it up, ago. but I'm saying. And, and that was I our responsibility that. to make sure people, that's why you don't hear about a whole bunch of people being unable to get work because that was our responsibility to make sure they did get work. And that's what I but can you, say but, about but, my but, former job. But, but uh, adjacent organizations like the one that you formerly worked with specifically have we didn't work with private prisons though we worked with state prisons you see they they purposely put in programming where it would be from cell to reality and you could transition what you've done but a lot of people they get certificates in there and people don't take them seriously it's mm -hmm. like you get you go to bcc and you're like oh yeah, well you, you well i can it. say when it comes to that nail when it comes to that now, and well, in most states, I ain't gonna say all states because some people still have that on the books where they don't hire ex-cons and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. In most states, that's now illegal. You can't even ask. You can't even ask. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you are allowed to do a background check. Right, which is then when that's gonna be fessed out, but you can't do that before giving them the job. Yeah. You have to go what through the whole entire interview process. They have to go through the hiring process, be hired, then run the background check. And if the background check comes up, then you make that decision on whether you want to still go through with the hire. Which is but dumb. You have like to, they have to be offered the job before you run a background check. But that's just, that's just crazy, though, because it, it's still doing the same thing now. You're, you're kind of not, though, because it gives the interviewer the opportunity to be honest and tell them how they recovered and how they have now changed their lives and what they are doing different. That's part of the interview process and when you're getting to know and your employer. For ideal employers, but most employers are still gonna look at the fact that you have a record. And then right, but they don't know that beforehand. But if you tell them up front, that gives them a better basis on trying to learn who you are. That's the whole point of that. Yeah, I, I because you made that, a mistake in your past, too. shouldn't continue on to your future. And if it's you give them the opportunity to learn that before they run that background check. To me, it's still flawed because even once you are given a the job, there have been people who have actually began working and they, they the criminal background check come back and they lose their job. And some people, you know, there is a decision. And like, most times that's because the, the employee themselves wasn't upfront. If you knew you had a record and you didn't disclose it because you wrote on that application, you check the box that said no, then that's you. You lost your job because you lied. Now, I'm speaking now that that is not on the hiring process until you're actually, like you said, offered the job. Mm -hmm. Then you're going that information. Right. But well, you wasn't up front either. Uh, you I, knew it was the possibility of it coming out. That that they were, especially if they told you they were going to run a background check, you knew that was a possibility of it coming out. So you wasn't up front. Well, because some, some companies don't. Some companies don't do background checks. Or it's not, it's not, in, it's not. But in your example, you said they got fired after the background check. Well, yeah, well, because I think that was a part of the transition where people weren't allowed to put that on the questionnaire anymore. Mm -hmm. So people would go through the process of getting a job and then they would have a background check done once they've been offered the job. Some people started working. Like, right. So again, I tell you, even in our trainings, in, in mm -hmm. our trainings, we tell them 
that this question is not going to be answered, no asked anymore, but you mm -hmm. should be upfront with your employer because they may run a background check and that is going to come up. And that happens. That's, you know, it, and, and even on the side of debtors, you know, that being made into a criminal act now because you can be denied employment if you owe the federal government money. Because it, it, it depends, because, you know, when you run that background check, it tells you exactly what your charge is. And if you are coming to be a bank teller and you got your charges that you robbed a bank and you don't qualify to be a bank teller. Well, I mean, it goes, but that's the criminal side of it. If you are in debt for whatever reason, you are still denied. So that's the other well, side. I, and, and that also depends on what kind of job it is. If it's, again, dealing with money. Well, debt is always money. <laughs> yeah, but you can't be a um, a credit analyst if your credit's messed up. Well, how do I get a, you know, it, it, it to me is, because I remember this happening when I first owed copping money and I went to go when they first opened up the casino mm -hmm. and I was going to get a part-time job at the casino. I literally had the job. Like, I had the job. And this was a manager. This wasn't even working directly with the casino. I was going to work, at, I was going to be a manager at the pizza place. You know, mm -hmm. the pizza place we go to. Mm -hmm. That was my, that was going to be my job. And I couldn't even get the job at that time because I owed copy money. And I was like, how the fuck you going to prevent me from getting a job? And what they, they must have ran a credit check. Just take the money out my, my check. Oh, I know why. And I wonder if it's because your credit mattered because you were going to be a manager. Well, it wasn't my credit. It was the fact that I owed cop and money. My credit was fine. It right, was but the fact, you're, that, you're, the fact that you owed cop and money was on your credit. Well, it wasn't. No, because I was currently paying for it. But the fact that I owed the money to the right. federal government. It, it may have made you ineligible to make think decisions for the job. Which is ridiculous because it's a college debt. It's not as if I. I know. I understand what you're saying. Far. I understand what you're saying, but I'm trying but to step in the shoes of that manager because though, I've had that. Um, I've had that come up system. when interviewing people to work for us or mm -hmm. any of my jobs. I've had that issue where, when you run your credit, say for instance, I'll give you this example. Mm -hmm. A company can have a corporate credit card, right? A corporate mm -hmm. credit card has to be guaranteed by an executive level person mm -hmm. right so if we came in and said okay um the, this last person this executive director is leaving so now you have to guarantee this credit card right mm -hmm. and i'll use it a different way other than school this person this person that's supposed, supposed to be this new executive director is in the middle of buying a home mm -hmm. their credit is now untouchable because now you're locked into a process of purchasing a home and it's on your sheet as a line item that you have now been, you have an approval for a mm -hmm. home loan. When they right. go to go do that guarantee for, let's say American Express, that thing is gonna come up and they won't be eligible to guarantee the credit card anymore. So now we have to let you go because you can't keep up the priorities that we need you to keep up. But I'm, I'm, and I understand that process, but it's flawed because if I'm buying a home, that's why I need a job. 
or if I am in school and the debt is because I they gave me money and I have to pay that money back, I need a job to be able to pay that back. So it's not even on a criminal side of me doing something. It's not like I stole money or- No, I, I, I completely money. agree with it's, you, it's, but it's, 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 it's just on a debt credit basis thing. It's, it's real hard to get over though, because it hurts the business from being able to keep their business purposes going by you not yeah. being able to guarantee it. And I, and I get that, but if we go, if we take that all the way back to banking systems, preventing certain people from being able to move forward in life, that that's it's a problem for me across the board because you're now making someone who chose to go to a higher education to get more education and you're making them almost criminal. Mm-hmm. You're making them seem as if they're criminal. So now they can't even get a job to pay. How, so how are they to get the get the work? You know, how are they, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me when these types of systems are set up. So that's why a lot of people complain about systematic racism because that's where it comes from. You know, and even even so this happens to white people as well, but it happens more to people of people of color because I went to school and I got a loan and I got grants and now I owe this money back to either the federal government or straight to a state funded institution. And now I'm put into a category and I'm no different than a criminal who has a criminal background. Like that's the that's the part that has always been crazy to me. So because that was the only time something like that has ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I literally was in the fingerprinting office mm-hmm. getting my, my fingerprints and getting my ID when the letter came back to them, like literally in the office, getting those things done. Uh the the and the owner I've I've known him said, well, the guy who was the general manager of it. He even had to change his process. So because he would pay for the person to get the background check from the from the uh casino mm-hmm. and he would just absorb the fee. I guess he would write it off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now he he I remember him saying he can't do it anymore. Because what do the background checks? Like he wouldn't pay for it up front. Like you had to pay for it yourself at that point. Oh, got you. You get to go get so your I own background. You basically had to pay for your own background check. Mm-hmm. I felt bad for people that came after me because I fucked that up for them. But <laughs> I mean, I went to school. I was right, because school. you could end up running a hundred different background checks with the same results. And every for me, everything else checked out. My my resume, my ability to be able to manage that space. Like he was just looking for a second GM. Like he was trying to train a second mm-hmm. GM. And I, all my, everything, you know. Oh, no, I've had it happen several times in the hiring process where I had to discontinue the hiring process because, sorry, you, uh, credit in this particular position really matters. Because a lot of these things have, you know, a lot of things that the, a company has to do has to come off a personal guarantee. But it's just, and I get that, but it's just still, you should fall into a different category where you're not unemployable. It should be, well, well, this, we're going to have to usurp a portion of this check until that is paid off. Like that, it it happened. Like I know I worked for Sprint before and uh, what my, me and my friend applied for the job. My friend owed money to Sprint. Mm. So but they did not hire him. They just said, okay, this is how much we're going to take out your check every month until that past bill is paid off. And I was like, damn, they can do that? 
But that was better than them saying, no, you can't be employed here because you're almost making that person criminal. Mm. Well, they are considered a criminal at that point or on the status of not a criminal, but they're, they're getting the same treatment as a criminal will get because your your my criminal background check came back clear as it always does. Mm. But that, like you said, the financial side of it, that's where the problem came. And that should be, that's dumb to me. That should be, okay, we're going to give you this job, but it automatically, you have to, because now we know you're trying to get employment. It's going to come out of your You know, I see what you're saying when it comes to, especially when it comes to the education stuff that's that's Mm -hmm. on your credit, um, that that should be kind of bypassed when it comes to that kind of thing. But like I said, when that the home the home thing is kind of different because that does directly affect what you can do. Your ability to be able to pay for it. It, well, no, it directly goes against other places. Though. You can't do if you're in the middle of home home buying, you can't get a credit card, you can't go buy a house. I mean, you can't yeah. buy a car, you can't do anything. It locks you. And that particular person was well, locked. You're not supposed to go out and make any major purchases, or exactly. And she yeah. could, and she couldn't. Basically, on the on the reference of American Express, we cannot. She cannot be a guarantor. But that's still and and see, even that's a flawed system because I, I, even though I'm the individual having to guarantee that, this is still an organization. So does that mean if the organization goes bankrupt, I'll be responsible for that? You are the person that is held responsible for the company's finances because you are the executive director. Regardless of what this Mm -hmm. is the organization of, you have to guarantee the money that is being used because you are responsible. And and I get that because as a business, I've applied for business loans. Yeah, because you are responsible for paying back if they can't pay. (laughs) But that should, but even that- And then you are responsible for generating the revenue to pay the bill. But it should still, and and I get it, but unless you have a criminal record, it should not work against you. It should be- well, you need somebody else in the company to to also sign. It should not. No, no, it was two. It was two. I was already there. I'm a no, guarantee. But I'm saying, like, if that person couldn't do it, it should not prevent them from being able to get a position that can move them up, so they are able to pay back. Oh no, no, that's why I said in this particular thing, it was it was the top of the job of the job. Yeah. The executive director position. Oh yeah, I remember you saying that. So it, it, it's nowhere else to go. Either you work here as an executive director, or you don't. And now that you can't qualify because you can't guarantee the job, you can't. We couldn't. It was nothing we could and do. I, and I, but but that system has always been weird to me because I work for a company. I work for a company like that, and that's I saw something like that happen similar, mm-hmm. but the person wasn't at the top. And, and, and see, and, it, it and also and goes against whether it, it, well, in the old days, it used to be um, everybody, if you had a corporate credit card, everybody had to guarantee it personally. Now they changed that because you can't consider an employee a guarantor Yeah. because they're not, they're not a stakeholder where the executive director is responsible for bringing in money and expelling money. So they are a grant, a guarantor. They have to be a and guarantor. I, and, I, and I definitely agree with that position, but it starts to happen across the board where it still happens. 
like I said, that was just how long has the the this thing been up? It was just that that it, I mean, I know it's been a minute, but it hasn't been that long in the 2000s wow. since that happened. Uh, the casino, mm-hmm. that something like that can still happen, like debtors. Yeah, see, I don't know that the, that, that um, ed- education one. I don't think that I, I like you said. I don't believe that should have happened because education no. should be separate and apart from credit. It doesn't even count against your credit for, credit score, and it right. counts a bit against your debt. Yeah. So right. that one that, that that doesn't make sense. I, and he may have been interpreting it, it wrong. Well, no, that because it's it's owed to a federal entity. That was what the problem was. So state, if you owe to the state or the federal government, those rules apply to you. So it, I think it is, uh, I can't remember what the, the lady called it, but I had to go to, you know, I had to call the state up, the school up to see what the, what the, what the bill was and figure all that out because they didn't understand why it was coming back like that because I had basically had the job already. Mm-hmm. Like I literally had gotten badges and, you know, all the credentials that you need to be able to get inside of the building. Uh, I, all that had been done. So I had the job. It was just once that came back, that then became the red flag. Like he owes, he owes through Coppin State University. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is the dumbest. So you should automatically go into a system of having to pay back. So now, you know, they didn't, they because they never garnished my wages from teaching. So it wasn't like it was such a, a debt that I had not ever paid on. But for you to prevent me from getting the job where I, I was paying, my idea was to pay off what I owed. That was the whole purpose of me getting the job. And I was like, that's dumb. Like, how do you prevent somebody to get a job that wants to pay off what they're doing? Right. But that was a, so it's it's just a lot of old systems that are outdated that I think need to just be rewritten or re you know, evaluate it because it has real life effects on people because it's written a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's so outdated from what the initial purpose of it was. But I, um, but I understand because if you recall maybe 10 or 15 years ago, none of these things were in process. These things were developed to stop people from getting these high end jobs that can't afford to guarantee the work that they're doing. But it's just like. But I understand what you're saying. But I know why these things were developed because a lot of people were getting these high end jobs just to get these, you know, giant paychecks, but weren't actually qualified to uphold all of the regulations that went with it. You can imagine somebody having a $100,000 credit card, but couldn't guarantee it, but was also the executive director of this organization, but was taking this money and spending it on whatever. So and, and the I, revenue and I, wasn't coming in to pay these bills. But that should that then for these organizations that that is uh like being able to guarantee financially, I think there needs to be a better system where the business is hold the business itself is hold is held liable for that versus me being a person who wants to pay off debt. And but that's why that came up because the businesses used to be held liable for it. And then you have a business that folded and you still in good standing, but you was the one spending the money. Right. But then so how is the business to recover from that when you side. was doing something wrong? But Not see, that's, you in that's where, you know, and see, I saying. think that's the exception because then that gets into the criminal side of it. 
But if you're already saying a person is... But how is the bank supposed to protect themselves from you doing a criminal act in the name of a company? And I and I, I definitely the money is the, the money's not, never going to come back. That's my point. My point is the money is if even if you do something criminally, the money's still gone. So we got to protect our hand before the money's gone. And I and I get that, but it just it creates a system of keeping certain people out. Like somebody may have just fallen on bad times. So how do I how do I and that get is unfortunate, it? but your bad times can't make American Express go through the bad time with you. And I get it, but I don't feel like an <laughs> individual should be held responsible for that. Like I'm especially if, if you are who is supposed to be responsible for your debt? Yeah, and that's it, but I think the assumption is you're not being like for me, I was actively paying off. My loan, and I think that should have counted as a plus for you. I I agree that should have counted as a plus for you, especially if you were actively making payments. It shouldn't have been a ding against you to have a federal loan. That I agree with you because because of the negligence or the criminals. But that's not the circumstance of everybody. Some of these, I mean, some of your probably your classmates haven't made a payment in five years. Some of them. And that would be the, the protection that would protect American Express or the pizza place from them. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm just sorry that it happened to you because it shouldn't happen to you if you was actively making payments. But that but that happens a lot to students. So that then becomes a problem. And mm-hmm. that adds to the debt that a student takes on because many companies won't hire you on because it becomes a debt. Mm-hmm. And I did all this education so I could get those jobs. Now I can't get those jobs that will afford me the amount of money for right. me to be able to live comfortably and pay off debt. So now I got to go work. Believe me, I understand the process because you know it was it, you know it, it was a, a yeah. it was a turnabout thing in, in my own head when I found you know when I knew I had to become a guarantor. Yeah. But I already had good credit, that, that but I didn't want to. I was skeptical on it on the on the stance of, I don't know if I want you to use my credit to guarantee this place. But if this place folds, then it falls on it does fall on me because I'm a guarantor. And, and see, and that's the problem that I had because at this point you're just an employee. Mm-hmm. So exactly. why are you having to, you know, because but I was the financial. I, I had to be the financial guarantor because that was my position. Right. But I'm saying. That then affects what you can do in your personal life. And, but in all actuality, I, I must say this. I must, yeah, I must say this into on the positive side of it. It actually didn't go against me. It actually improved mm-hmm. my credit because it was American Express. Right. So I, I mean, I can't say that because do the you know it does, it, it, and it could, one? especially for those that don't have American Express. But you know, American Express um, on certain cars require you to pay it back one hundred percent after using it, which is how I set it up. I set up our accounts to be a paid back one hundred percent, which was a plus in my category because it kept boom shooting my credit cards to the roof. But that was, and that's probably because you realized you were connected to it. Versus I, exactly. You had when I became debt. again, when they told me, I, they yeah. asked me because they didn't tell me. They asked me if I would guarantee. When they asked me, I was like, "Hmm." I had to see a couple months worth of bills first before making the decision. Sure, I'll guarantee it. Once I saw that and that they were being paid one hundred percent, I was like, "Okay, I got you. No problem." Right. Because but that, that, that would work in I my favor. I think a lot of stuff like that is... All right, we got to go. ...to be improved. 
we got to go. I think it really just needs to be improved on because it's not really, it's, it's hurting people that it should be helping and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think, you know, and I understand people just did not do what they were supposed to do in those positions. Sure, right, positions. right. <laughs> but at the same time, it's still hurting people who want to move forward and want to be able to live and pay off things at, at the same time. Like, I don't like owing people, but it just, you know, when you're getting out of college, it really, you have to. That, that That's the part of the game. And nobody says, don't to only take the grants, don't take the loans. You're just saying, oh, I'm going to get a couple G's back for my, you know, for my, what you call it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that's the problem. But I, I don't know. I just think a lot of that stuff, going back to the Constitution, just needs to be amended or improved in terms of the language of it. But that's where we at. So this has been a very extended version of the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Uh, we'll be back next week. And I'm a, we can actually continue a lot of that because I think that's a good, a good conversation, especially for business owners mm. or just employees, I guess. Um, but uh, especially dealing with the gun lobbyist rules and regulations and all that. But um, yeah, peace out, people. I need a nap. I need some food. Um, yeah. So peace out, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy your time. Come on down to the studio, 1734 Maryland Avenue. I got to clean it up because I ain't been in here consistently this week. So come on down. We have a special special on that wall back there. On this wall? Yeah. What's there? Uh, like they're earrings, but oh, they God. are like pictures. It's pictures on them. Oh, on okay. I zoomed. Can you say it? I think I'm no, because that's your forehead. Oh, all right. Now I see him. Oh, okay. Oh, they're nice. That's Tina Turner. Yeah, that's Tina Turner. That's the one that's alive. Yeah, I thought I was picking only people that had died, but then I was like, "Ooh, Tina Turner." Tina Turner is so alive. (laughs) So, oops. But yeah, so. Peace out, people. Come on down here, 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Um, come. Well, I didn't say 1 p.m. 2 p.m. I'll be here till 2 p.m. because I'm going to celebrate in D.C. We're actually going to see DDM. He's performing at the Kennedy Center for D.C. Pride. So sure. if y'all want to join us, come on down. I think it's at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock tomorrow. So okay. we're going to drive up to D.C. and have some fun for the day. All right. Yep. So, bye, people. I'm getting sleepy. This has been a whole... I gave people an hour. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Peace out. Bye. Thank you.